1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies but inevitably talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is. Sean Cole. And the most relaxed man in the tavern. To my right, Daniel Killen. Yay! Hey. He had his feet up, by the yeah. way. Sacked down and hammered
2: on those people. Are you sure you're Michael Breslin? You talk about a pause there before you said that.
1: I am. Michael Breslin? <laughs> just yeah, I, you know, just to add about a bit of drama date, you know? Oh, That's no, i like drink, he, Mickey. Have you lost your identity? Exactly. those <laughs> so uh,
0: state memory. can remember when he's blocked. So it's really
2: hard for me. to get somebody to fall on form for uh, I write... Just <laughs> 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 anytime you're fucking applying for jobs or whatever, you're Or in the bar, just <laughs> introduced new people. Hello, I am. <laughs> Hello, I am. Michael Breslin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here, see before we start, right, as a, a sort of icebreaker to the podcast, uh, you know where there's that myth that dogs can like sense when you're unwell, or they can sense when you're like fucking dying or something like that, right? It's not a myth. Well, Apparently it's not a myth, but anyway, <laughs> my two dogs have been showing me way too much attention this week, oh, like way seriously. too much attention, even yeah. the dog who doesn't really like me that much has been kind of like jumping and, and baying for my attention, so I am now convinced
1: that I have a brain tumour. <laughs> <laughs> or are they just... Constantly sniffing your head. Just like too, no, they, they, just
2: like I like kind of licking my ear, especially maybe I have an ear tumor or something like that. But like in my ear. ear and like why is it always a tumor? It's sticking to Ear cancer, ear rabies—is
1: that right? <laughs> <laughs> Can that be a thing? But, I guess just rabies. No, my mm. me two
2: dogs love me, but they would never show me that but much they don't attention. Like you. <laughs> they don't like <laughs> me. <laughs> they don't agree with my politics, but uh, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know. They've just just a wee bit too much Evie you've ever got that With your dogs just showing you a wee bit too much attention you're thinking fuck am I doing what's going on here no
0: no Molly's just always going mental all the time mate. I'm just oh, all the time <laughs> yeah, just, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just I hungover <laughs> <laughs> like, God this boy really needs help <laughs> He's like Dan will you ever sort like that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been giving you signals for years like <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: and Sicky just loves me so nah, <laughs> you, know, you, you could have been on well for years too like I know she's she's what paying me say? less attention this last I, month. I, I <laughs> she's, she's you like, may be on this one, she says. You start so <laughs> drinking.
2: It's, I'm telling you, it's a flawless logic. What
1: day are we? It's the 26th of September at time of recording. Mm. <laughs> so uh, there's well, how many more days left in September now? Four, four, 30, yeah, four. I have four more days left in my dry hood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, I'm what's Natalie now? Oh, the last time I checked it, I think it was a hundred and seventy-two, forty-three. Pounds. Fucking hell! <laughs> yeah. that's really well eighty-two done.
3: pound raise last oh week,
2: God. yeah. And I, I still haven't
1: sponsored you. <laughs> Get on it, Jen. I really do cause can you sponsor like after? See, I'm not sure. I don't know how long it, it, it runs for after. So you have four days, Sean All off. My bank
2: account has uh, been frozen until a minute after midnight on the, <laughs> <laughs> the third episode oh, yeah. ever.
0: No, I might as well just keep it going. until like, you know, five years' time. It's like, oh, remember Mickey went like that month without drinking? Uh, oh, that was fair well play. I'm mean, going to donate a fiver for that <laughs> <flat> right now. <laughs> fair play.
2: See, to be quite honest, I'm going to get you a plaque. I think it's probably achievement. I want to get him a pint. Achievement. I want to <laughs> get him <deserves laughs> a at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, also, No, fair play. And then that means that Next week's podcast is going to be completely and utterly unintelligible, then, because you're oh, going to be so fucked yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been planning it all week. As though that you are, you're going to even though like you can drink from what Wednesday, you're going First to save thing. it Thursday. Well, I mean, it's only you're going to save it then. to Hopefully, next Friday or Saturday, whenever we record the podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm go- not going to drink until the danger bottle next week. Oh, I'll <laughs> we have have be dangerous. Do no, no, no. I, I, I know what danger bottle I'm getting. <laughs> oh, you're buying it for yourself too.
2: Ooh, oh, yeah, treat- yeah. well, I you know what thirty days at drinking, treat yourself like and for then just you're sick.
1: just gonna fucking drive yourself into the fucking ground then. I know. It's I I've been thinking about it all week and I just I know I'm gonna get annihilated and I know I'm <laughs> gonna do terrible embarrassing things and I just think there's no way I can stop it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the worst thing is too right? I know. You've
2: done this charity work or like you've you've done this volunteer thing for charity and not drank for thirty days. Maybe with the intention I would assume from that charity of making people think, you know what, I don't need drink for thirty <laughs> days, but your main aim is to get as fucked up as possible as soon as the thirty days yeah. are done. It's just
1: I no, it's just there's there's no way in, of avoiding it, you know what I mean? There's, just, <laughs> there's, there's no, no <laughs> there's no way of avoiding alcohol abuse. It's always not the sort of messenger out. There there's no way of to avoid me getting really drunk on next week's podcast. Yeah, and as well, it's we It's an t- inevitability. Your
2: tolerance will be really down. Like, you could have half a can and be fucked know. next week. I like, we were talking earlier on and Mickey
0: said, oh, I thought I would have, like, not a minded drink and, like, felt better or I would be really, really missing it. But I'm sort of, like, midway in the middle. But listen to you know it sort of just seems like, yeah, I know you're just going to go
1: really mad on yeah, it, Mike. You mean, yeah. No, it's just... It's it's just I know I'll be really bad next week's podcast. I'm thinking even sitting in the cur- cursed corner just to oh. keep it cool. going. <laughs> good. Am so I be- in cursed corner? Yeah, you're, you're in, in cursed, cursed corner. corner. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's four more days left of it. So if you'd like to give noise the time,
2: <laughs> if you're a decent human being anyway, Shanko. <laughs>
0: I know, Sham. What are you doing?
2: I don't. I want you to do, <laughs> do it again. not yet. Not yet. But not yeah, again. it's
1: we're into the last week of it now. So if you're thinking about giving, and just haven't gotten around it. Now's the time. So you can go to justgiving.com dot com forward slash less drinking, more giving. Yes. Anything can help. Even one pound. shanko
2: Okay. Is there no minimum? No, so no I can't, There's no, no min-
1: You can give a penny if you want. Like. Five pounds. <laughs> like there you go. <laughs> it's done to plastic bag, sort of. It all helps. <laughs> or there's see. Some- Does it have
2: to be money? We doing it. <laughs> Can we not just do them like like goodwill or plastic bags like dances? I've not washing machine I don't need it anymore. you can
1: vol- volunteer for the next triathlon. <laughs> nah <laughs> 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 Okay. And uh our our jingles our jingle machine isn't working this week, so we'll just move straight into wow danger <laughs> bottles. You know what? That confu- worked out a lot better, man.
2: Yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> that was like really insane. We didn't even plan I that whatsoever. Did. That <laughs> was pretty good. We all done it. In no, 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 let's be honest, like, This whole thing is scripted. You The listener can tell. Like, it's so great. Like,
0: <laughs> if you believe, I don't believe anything, listener.
1: Sorry, can we go back to the last page? I missed a bit there. And from the top. I don't even have a page, McAnoy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> can you, John?
2: We're there. Are two seconds. Can I do it? No, Does that sound shit. like a page? No, it's i for well there let me try it again
1: <laughs> okay com- can we all no, no wait 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 competition time how did Chan Coyle make that noise <laughs> <laughs> please write in talk more movies at gmail.com
2: clue I didn't use my mouth <laughs>
1: <laughs> what were you going to say anyway danger bottle
2: no oh, no, it's not mine Dan? he's, he's
1: danger bottle oh, uh, Dan.
2: check a drawer
0: uh-huh. yeah
1: and it is
2: top drawer stuff now I do oh. enjoy it when you do this wee surprises for me it's almost like a game that kids would play, before. Now, oh, okay.
0: Can an Can I just say as well, Lucian, I went to the off-license, uh, beside where you live, and there's nothing, like, I don't know, that you would not expect in an off-license, yeah. and I was not going to pay the I live in a
2: very affluent neighbourhood, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is like 5.79. Oh, that's fine. We, we've we yeah. had jokers come on here and spent £8 on a Danger Battle. Oof, you only like, what, 70 pay over? your grand. So the yeah. Danger Barrel this week is... Drumroll. Will try a drumroll? Oh, go. Nah, I can't even... Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the worst like of... cooking I, bacon. I'm the worst of making noises.
1: I've accepted that. Why do you right, call it so, your boy from Police Academy? Michael... Oh, Michael... Winslow?
2: Uh, that's exactly it. That is, is Michael Winslow. Good stuff. Uh, right, so the danger bottle this week is... Drumroll... <laughs> it is VP Rich Ruby. Oh my word. Yeah, I think
0: it's like, you know, the cousin to QC. So it's just alcohol <laughs> drink.
2: Like, it's just so poor. Take 15% and it will get you
1: on your back. It's a fortified wine. Mm. Oh, I
2: fucking love this stuff. Hence why I know that my fit has been sealed, that I am going to end up under a bridge. As a I, know, I, I know. I know. It's shocking that there's three of us as well, and only two of us are drinking. Like, I'm great.
0: My back behind him, in this cursed chair.
1: For some reason, I thought you were going to say balls deep. For some reason, yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, it's just that's why right, I like doing the bottles. I'm feeling fi-
2: like I'm feeling about Lustamata, I'm, I'm feeling about the IGE. Now, like so as soon as this VP Red Ruby goes on the way, I'm gonna be fucking on my back. I'll be late, I'm laid, I'll just get in the danger
1: bottle. You <laughs> <He's laughs> aren't having it, <laughs> like, you, just yeah. tempted. <laughs>
2: you only have four days left, Mickey. Right, so uh, I can't even attempt to do Heron's Alejandro, so I'll just read Alejandro. normal. Alejandro at VP Rich Ruby, fortified British wine. Many years of experience helped us to produce this fine, fortified British wine. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess about that. Like. <laughs> I know, yeah. straight to that point. As off alcoholics are going to read this, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're only only fucking interested in the contents. It's 15%. Let's get fucking talked on, date. Smells a smells vintage.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a good year. It's always a bad year, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad year, lad. You know I'm, like It actually took your breath away.
3: Like, take, take, my, take my breath away.
2: Rich Ruby. It's not
1: bad. It's not bad. Is it like a sherry?
2: It, would that not be considered like a port? I don't know. I don't know. all. I really don't know. I, don't know. I just you, know what you it does. There's just like,
0: like old people drinks in like yeah. sherry, port, even like brandy. Fortify like,
2: wine. Like I'm, I'm assuming I could be fucking so totally wrong, but I'm... I'm from what I understand, like sherry and port are just different versions of fortified wine. Oh. I, think I, so I know,
1: I know Sherry's a fortified wine from Fraser. Yes, <laughs> of where I get most of my knowledge. Fraser and, and it, the Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> and bite size. Bite size. <laughs> you remember bite size for the GCSE oh. thing? <laughs> yeah, you never passed
2: your GCSEs, did you? You're still in school, aren't you, Mickey? No, I
1: you're I, not. 15.
2: How long have I known know you? <laughs> Too
0: much of
1: <laughs> a fucking wine man already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They kick you out after your eight attempt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they kick you out after you start looking older than the teachers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you never pass as by forty but then you're fourteen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what have we watched this week?
1: Uh go Dan. You go first.
0: Uh actually last night uh I was with two friends and we were looking you through don't Netflix. Have two friends then. Oh come on now. Me, <laughs> Kiva and him. It was a lovely night. We had oh. pie and chips. It was lovely. What What's that pie? Uh, chicken and ham. Oh. What was this? I keep Kiva cooked it. Was it de- Did she make it herself? Yeah.
2: Oh, fucking hell. Right, okay. Know. Fair enough. Huh? Yeah, but a nice gravy. And all. No it invite? You anyway. know Oh, sorry.
3: But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we watched
0: uh, The Babadook. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect because, obviously, it's like, you know, a horror. But then, a lot of horrors are like, they're jumpy and they, they're not really harrowing like this film was. Mm. I mean... Like I know the entire supernatural thing when it's jumpy, it's like off and off you like you jump and you get a bit scared in the moment. But I mean the Babadook actually like really stuck with me. It seemed a bit cheesy at the start, but then I don't know. I mean it it actually has like a sort of analysis and like mental illness because yeah, I was like, it's definitely definitely yeah. about depression. Yeah, I mean like the especially
2: I think, like I would say like a sort of delayed. Hang on, of somebody's depression.
1: phone going off? I hear.
2: No, not mine. You are going mental, Mikey. No, no I, know. It, yeah. I can
1: hear it in the headphones, eh?
2: No, my phone's off.
1: Is it completely off? Yes. I suppose
2: they what, Michael? It's not like
1: It's not off. completely off, but you know, <laughs> well, it's like... Well, put, people just put it on silent, yeah, no, not not silent. silent. Man's man's now. Yeah, mine's completely on silent, yeah. Is is it in airplane mode? <laughs> it is now. But I mean, no, I...
0: I'd, I'd like All enough, phone. a lesser
2: known fact, uh, we actually record every episode in a tent inside an airplane, so we <laughs> <laughs> do have
3: even <to> know. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. You We had a joke? Well, I put my phone on the airplane mode, threw it up in the air and just dropped on the ground. Worst Transformer ever.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Came up with myself. Dada, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Twitter one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all Twitter Michael Bay was actually going to put that in the first draft of probably <laughs> the Transformers. She's going better than have a shitty day. Like. <laughs> anyway, the
0: Babadook? The Babadook. But, okay. yeah, I, obviously, like, the best horrors are so- stuff like, even, like, looking back to, like, gothic horror fiction, you know, it's, like, it always refers to, like, things that are going wrong in society and it refers to that like obviously you know Cronenberg with all these body horror films they had was like you know sort of comment on AIDS yeah Yeah. and you know sexually transmitted diseases well this is very much about mental illness at the very start you know she's having a really hard time with like her kid and some of those scenes are like obviously it's like sort of like autism or even, or even worse that you know there's no way to get through to him and he's like he's yeah. nearly violent sometimes I think we kind of sold that in that one.
2: film but that kid may have like ADD or something yeah yeah because he's, he's so hyperactive and so kind of aggressively attention seeking yeah and they use it, like an
0: overused word as well it's like it's very like esque that every single time she like turns to someone that you know should be helping her they, like, the way it's shot even as well, they have, like, these hard shoulders and dark colors, and they look at her very sternly and there's just no one offering any help. And then later on, the following, you actually start feeling for the kid. He becomes the one that, you know, at the very start, he's very annoying, but then he becomes the one you root for because she then ends up showing signs of, like, schizophrenia. I mean, when it did the entire supernatural thing near the end, I really enjoyed it and it's well done for what it was, but it really got to me some of those earlier scenes when it was, like, both of them just making each other's lives hell because it seems so real and, yeah... I mean the two we got to keep a were struggling through parts of it like it was really tough going it's a, it's a it great and film
2: it is a cracking film and a str- in a strange way a lot of the Babadook sort of reminded me of the sixth sense because fair enough he might be derided now they uh, the Shal- Shaman I think I'm pronouncing the name Shaman I, name- I think it's Shaman, I- but uh Obviously, Sex Sense as a masterpiece, is a great film. But he always said that he set out to kind of make a scary film. But the most important thing was actually the relationship between Joel Osmond's character and Tony Collette's character, the, the mother and the son. And I think that is actually the strongest part of the Sex Sense. Mm-hmm. It's not the twist that everybody remembers. And I think that's also the strongest part of the Babadook because that kid, and in fairness to the young actor who plays him, he is so fucking irritating. But that's the point. <laughs> really he has to. See, he has. Yeah. He has to be irritating. Just he. Kind of hype up the fact of why this, you know, single parent is losing her fucking shit and maybe going on a sort of schizophrenic mode because you just can't handle it. it she can't deal with the stress, but then you're right towards the end where she starts turning into a psychopath. You realize, well, at the same time, this is just a six-year-old kid and he is now locked in a house with a woman who's about the maybe take a dive and become a fucking serial killer. Yeah,
0: because the scariest thing about the film wasn't the fact that you could see this monster that's actually, you know, coming after them, which they do sort of need for a big ending or whatever. The scariest part is when she's like really can't sleep and she's having a really hard time and out of frustration and just anger, she turns around and screams at her child who just wants to be fed. And I mean, to me, I was like, oh my God, that's really... Because, I mean, that happens. Like, you know, it's just... Exactly. uh, I think it's it's when when you bring it more down
2: the... Yeah, you exactly when you bring it more down to a domestic sort of real level, and you it's an uncomfortable fact. But there's you know, mothers or fathers who can't deal with their kids and maybe treat them like shit, or maybe too aggressive to them. And it's there are the things that pack a punch, but in saying that, the horror elements that they do put on there are also unbelievably creepy. Like, yeah, uh, it's not even well spoilers if you haven't seen The Babadook but that's like midway through the film where you kind of get the first proper look at The Babadook when he starts crawling across the fucking ceiling mm. when she's lying in her bed mm. and then she eventually gets up and it, it scatters out of the room it's just and it's all practical effects too which is so strange which oh, makes really it, uh, it? a lot of it well sorry it's not all practical effects but a lot of it is practical effects mm. but uh, no it's a really impressive film you know it, it, as a sort of domestic it's, it's almost like a it's like a kitchen sink drama meets a psychological horror. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah.
0: Rec- I wouldn't recommend it to someone who, like, you know, just wants to watch. You know, like sinister or whatever. You know, cheap thrills or something. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, yeah S- like, they, sinister is underrated, But I don't probably, know. yeah. But, but, but you know, like, there's so and many cheap like,
1: thrills ho- is a good film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, there's actual film called Cheap Thrills. Yeah, yeah, so so. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, but there's so many horrors out there that are just you know the jump scares and that's it. you know it ends and it's grand. But you know the Babadook is quite a hard watch in places. Yeah, but yeah, it was very good. I did enjoy it. Now. I don't it.
1: Jill has gotten, like, we, we, neither of us has seen the Babadook, but she has come to affectionately call me Babadook. Why? Because she would call me Babe. Did you frighten her? No, because she would call me Babe, and then that got changed to Bab, and then Babadook. <laughs> just because it's a word that we both <laughs> know. Strange. It's not in reference to the film whatsoever. It's like, don't it's watch just, that film, man. Yeah, uh, please, that uh, <laughs> will shatter your opinion <laughs> on what that nickname was. <laughs>
2: But, I mean, even the, the round that off what you were saying, I don't think it's any coincidence that the best films, or for me personally, now this might sound like a, a huge broad stroke or a sweeping generalisation by myself, but I think that the horror films that have stayed with me, in a way personally, and well, probably stayed with the people that I chat there, discuss maybe films with, are the films where a of thought has been put in. it. It's very rare that you'll hear somebody talk 10 years after the film was released. If it was a film that was just jump scares and cheap thrills because it's so easy to do and you can you can see that anywhere it's the films that maybe deconstruct her in a certain way or maybe challenge it or maybe try and do something new or maybe mix away domestic issues like the babadook that make it stand out in your head because it's sawn away from the norm or it's something that is trying to give you a different perspective which yeah. is definitely pretty cool.
0: I mean, not to like go on and on about a film that's been talked to death, but uh, you know, it's even films talking about this film to death. But yeah, the Shining. The reason it stands up yeah. so long is because there's so many wee inklings to what the film is actually about. I mean, is it about uh the white man taking over like Indian land? Is there like comments in there about like the Apollo, yeah. moon landing and stuff like that? I mean, there's so much going on, and you know, I think there's wee inklings there that just get under your skin. And also as well, it's because the entire domestic thing where. Uh, it's not really laboured in the film too much compared to like the TV film, but you definitely get inklings of it that you know this is just a man who struggles with alcoholism mm-hmm. who is going
2: mad. He's having a nervous breakdown because he yeah. can't write his new novel. And again, I mean, and it's actually a, a really good tangent than going off from the Babadook. But we were saying the scariest things in the Babadook are obviously the mother freaking out the son and turning on a psychopath and you fear for the the kid's safety. And then I think the scariest things in the Shining are when. Obviously, Jack Torrance's wife is in danger, and that's sort of domestic level—it's not the fucking skinless woman coming out of the bath. You know, it's—it's not the blood or the the twins or or, it's it's all work no play. Jack, a dull boy—that's the scariest bit. The scariest bit is a man going insane and he is on the brink of murdering his his fucking family. Like you know, that that, that—that's a shit that really gets thee because I, I think we that sort of horror when it's put on the, a domestic set and it's, it's because you know it, it can happen. Now fair enough you might be scared by like a, a, a boogeyman or a, or a ghoul or a, a fucking chainsaw wielding psychopath but you know that more or in reality these people don't really exist and you can maybe get a, a bit of scared for a couple of hours but then it, it'll fade away in your mind but it's it's that sort of stuff then that sticks in your head and you think oh Jesus that could happen that could happen possibly to anybody you know depending on the circumstances or depending on how their life goes which is
0: yeah, what are humans capable of? That's exactly. the scariest thing. Exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. Sticking on the Stephen King thing, I watched Thinner this week. Uh, it's just been added <laughs> to Netflix. Yeah. I actually never heard of it until today because it's I was actually, just
2: reviewing. It's one of the first books I've ever read. You know, Thinner? Thinner?
0: I read a whole lot of Stephen King when I was younger. Tell me, yeah, so, I, I mean, and I
2: don't mean he, so maybe kind of like I'm hitting on the film, even though I haven't seen it and obviously hadn't heard of it until today, but is it supposed to be a comedy or is it supposed to be a horror or is it supposed to be like a dark comedy?
1: Um, No, I think it's supposed to be a horror. Because the plot sounds
2: ridiculous. Well, you
1: see, because I mind seeing it years ago, and then i seen it came up on Netflix, and then the only reason I watched it is because I was thinking, it's like I'm pretty sure the, re- the reason how he kills the gypsy's grandmother is he's getting a blowjob in a car. <laughs> right, and that is true for someone who's never <laughs> read the book or seen the film I am lost <laughs> <laughs> I am now very very intrigued <laughs> this is well the whole part of the film is he kills this gypsy's grandmother when he's getting blowjob in a car <laughs> 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 and then he gets cursed by the gypsies so he's a, he's a fat boy like, and then he keeps getting thinner and thinner and thinner until he's just whisting away and doing nothing basically and then that's the whole world, it? Slum it like <laughs> slumber world is he? slumber world it's a story of Past on sauce. But yeah, I, I, I don't really have much to say about that. I, I literally just watched it just to see if I remembered it correctly. And yes, there is a job driving scene. <laughs> That's the reason you watch I also watched 12 Angry Men this week, Ugh. which is a lot better. <laughs> no, it's... I it <laughs> <laughs> I Henry Fonda gets a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> From a jump sounding like <laughs> That's how he gets that Wayne like you know what
2: I mean? (laughs) (laughs) By the end of it, I still think he's guilty. (laughs) Same here. But I think, in a very strange way, with 12 Angry Men, I think that's the power of the film. The power of the film is that how convincing one man's argument and how convincing one man's, I would say, freedom of speech or free will can be that he's able to convince 11 other men of this kid's innocence who doesn't really seem that innocent. And the, the first time I watched 12 Angry Men, at the end of it, I thought to myself... That kid's fucking guilty. He's, he's obviously done it. Like, <laughs> so then, even though it's probably one of the the most morally upstanding films, it's in the same sort of league as the Killer Margaret and stuff like that. you know, showing great morals and, and yeah. great ethics. I was thinking then at the end of the film, even though in an ironic sort of cruel irony, even he show great morals and great ethics, he may
1: have just let a psychopath kid walk free. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what what I wanted to happen I'd seen it before it all and you knew what happened, but what I really wanted to happen when when I was watching it is when there's just the one guy left that he convinces all the rest of them they go guilty <laughs> again. That's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's another hour and a half of him convincing everybody else and deconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> <his argument. laughs> And they fall, that's rough. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Done so much hard work. He breaks, one, he breaks out and starts crying on the door. <laughs>
1: There's always one wanker in there. <laughs> but, uh, no, 12, 12 Angry Men kind of holds a very special place uh, in my heart. Because it's because you were also fucking uh, taken off for a crime <laughs> when you were younger that you definitely come out and get away with, it, didn't you? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's because I, I first seen it when I was about 10 or 11 or something, and I just like every week I would, we would get the TV times and I would look to see what films is, is on that week. You know, they had the movie section stuff. Such an idea. <laughs> <laughs> or no, normally I would just look at which film had the most sex in it and I would just watch that. Of course, Because if you remember in the TV times, they had the movie section, but they had ratings at the bottom of them for uh, language, violence and sex. So you if, if, also if, had if, a turkey if, of the week. Remember if, I remember that turkey would, of the week. Uh, it, it would, would right? tell you
2: which film has the most sex. <laughs> in. You're just, you're not pulling any punches here, Mike. You're just letting it all out in the
1: table, aren't you? Might as well. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh... <laughs> I joke, it's, it's, it's not like there's anybody else going to
0: listen to this. This us podcast a confessional. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: But, uh... No, it's... Tw- 12 Angry Men was on, like, lit on ITV one night. It was on about, like, half one or two in the morning kind of thing. Midnight movie. And, and, like, I I wasn't, like, really into films at this stage. Like, I wasn't into kind of older films and stuff. And for some reason, I just felt like watching it, like, I don't know, it sounded interesting or whatever, but I mind saying to me, Maddie, video for me and stuff. This is how long uh, ago Last week. Last week. (laughs) But I mind (laughs) her asking, I mind asking her to, like, tip it for me and all and then i watched it and i loved it and it's just it's it's just one of those early films that kind of got me into watching more films i
2: don't think it's any coincidence that uh it's been it's been the top 15 of the IMDb top 250 for like the past 15 whatever years now i don't put a while lot of stock on the IMDb top 250 but even at that i think that's impressive because if you look at the top 15 which has been sort of not as... It's not really interchanged that much as opposed to the rest of the top 250. Usually the films in the top 15 are always there and they've not really budged. Uh, You get the old one that shits in there and drops away obviously pretty quickly. But if you look at those films, it's like The Godfather and like I think... uh, Shawshank. Shawshank's in there and The Lord of the Rings. Pulp Pulp Fiction's in there. And it's all these kind of more modern, really kind of iconic films. And then I even remember back in the day looking... Twelve Angry Men stacks out like a sore thumb mm. in that top fifteen. It really does. It's this black and white 1956 courtroom drama, but it's just so strong in every level that it's so been really. able to penetrate. You know these, e- even that sort of list, which then the be top two fifty. I think is a more sort of populist chart. Obviously, yeah. critically, it's always going to be adored.
1: I shall have you watched it?
2: Uh, this week oh, I watched. Film always want to see for a long time. Bull Durham. Remember it? No.
1: I no, I, I looked it up after you told me that you won the watch a fridge. Why have you won the watch a fridge? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm about to go on to this, Michael. Um, uh,
2: Bolderham. Uh, it's really, really well received sports drama. It's, it's, it's essentially that. The, it's 1988. It's uh, directed by Ron Shelton, who also done White Men Can't Jump. But just stick with me. <laughs> but it's uh, like I say, a baseball movie. It's got Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, Tom Robbins. And it's about a minor league baseball, so it's not even the big leagues. Uh, Kevin Costner's character is called Crash. He is like one of the most successful minor league players of all time. I think he's got like the, the highest amount of home runs of anybody in the minor leagues ever. And he made it to the majors for three weeks in his career. And then immediately it was kind of found out that he wasn't good enough. And he was demoted and this sort of haunts him his whole life. He's brought into this team called the Durham Bulls. Uh, again a minor league baseball team who've got this new sort of star catcher who's played by Tom Robbins but even though he's a gifted player and they're kind of prepping him for the big leagues he's a he's a that kid he's like a playboy he's only really interested in cars and women and doesn't really give a shit about the sport and this obviously infuriates Kevin Costner's character Crash because he spent his whole life wanting to get to the majors and he's give everything and he never was really interested in cars or women but it, it, it obviously infuriates him that he can, you know, a, a guy like Tom Robbins' character may get there. And um, outside of this, there's also a sort of love triangle between Tom Robbins, Kevin Costner, and Susan Sarandon. So Susan Sarandon's character is essentially, and uh, she's a lifelong baseball fan, like a lifelong baseball fan who picks the best player of the local team every year. And sleeps with them. No, no. The reason, now, now just bear with me because I know what you're thinking. Oh well, she's like you know maybe like a, a fucking prostitute or like a whore or something like that. The writing. I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, no, but no, like was I was fan? thinking.
0: Sean read the Radio Times review years and years ago, <laughs> and that's <laughs> why he was Here we one. go. <laughs> three stars. <laughs> it was out of three, by the way. The sex writing. <laughs> oh, was that I? Eh? It's
2: one, two, or three. <laughs> uh, Susan Rand's character. She obviously. Picks Tom Robbins. Now, the reason that she does it is because she thinks that if she sleeps with him, then she can kind of make him, not her slave, but she has got their buy-in, and she can try and coach him to be a better player. And they try and push this forward that she's literally trying to make him a better baseball player and she's not really interested in the sex. The writing is that good that you do believe it. And it doesn't seem forced. And uh, Sarandon's performance as well, as noted by Roger Ebert, any other actress playing that wouldn't have been able to pull that off because it's a it's a very tough thing to do I think in any other director's hands she would have just kind of came off as being you know a bit slutty yeah but the strongest thing about the film is the story there was a great review by I think it was like Newsweek when it was released saying it's a great comedy film it's a great baseball film and it's also a great love film but it completely defies the cliches of every one of those genres and it really does and the reason for it is Ron Shelton the director played minor league baseball for five years and based it on his own life experiences and you can tell that it is so realistic. The characters don't seem like fallen characters. They seem like real people, even though the narrative pans out. I'm not going to give any spoilers in case somebody does when I watch it, but you don't get that sort of sports movie... Cliched finale of like oh the the team goes to the, the the championship game or like you know the guy who was in the minors finally gets to the majors or whatever. It's got a very realistic but still satisfying it and it's just the reason why they watch it too is it's just ridiculously really really well critically received. It's got ninety seven percent rotten tomatoes, okay. pretty good IMDb written. And it's been voted, like, the best sports movie of all time. But even, I I don't even, like, call it a sports movie. It's just a good film, because the relationship that builds in in this love triangle between Costner and Saranton is actually really well executed, too. There's a couple of wee naff, fucking 80s dance scenes towards the end that really fucking blow it out of the park, button that stuck out like a sore thumb. I
1: like, I like a wee dance scene. Yeah, do uh, <laughs> wee flash dance, man, yourself? I you like like to blow it
2: out of the park as well. What? I yeah. know, I know. I was a home
1: run, but, uh, I definitely, uh, <laughs> I, I wish people could see your satisfying pose. Oh, I was, I was very, very <laughs> satisfied. Just like the them. picture of smugness. So over I there. was
2: just a complete smirk, but you know, it's a really, really good film and it's actually just been at the Netflix as well this week. I,
1: I'm, I'm, uh, you've turned me around on it. I'll, I'll give it a wee watch. Definitely give it a watch. I and like a wee baseball movie.
2: I'll tell you even better at that, uh, Ron Shelton, the director, said that obviously him come from minor league baseball to then, you know, becoming a film director within a specific couple of years, two, you know, completely different careers. Uh, he was sitting in a restaurant just after the film was released and a man came up to him and he was all, oh, my friend once they speak to you him, know, he didn't realise that the man who came up to him was Stanley Donan, who was you know, famous studio director from back they Don't Sing in the Rain and stuff like that. And he brought him over to this table and Stanley Donan had been eating with fucking Bully Wilder. And Bully Wilder says, so great fucking pitcher, kid. And he says it was then that he knew he was, oh, fuck, I think I've made someone special here. If Bully Wilder is calling me over
1: to congratulate me. So, yeah, definitely give it a go. Then he not just burst into tears at that point? <laughs> I know, Like, Sean, if that happened to you, you would have burst into tears and just killed yourself right
2: there. I've s- <laughs> if I ever got a full maid just like <laughs> burst into tears, like, never mind that. It wouldn't even have to be someone of Bully Wilder's statue. I could be fucking Brian Blessed or something,
1: you know, <laughs> anybody mm-hmm. whatsoever. Okay, we'll go on to... Yours. <laughs> the first news this week is Sigourney Weaver and the original Ghostbusters are all appearing in the new Ghostbusters. Mm. But uh, they've they've said this new Ghostbusters is it's not like a sequel to the first one. Like It's an, it's like a new universe, so they're not going to be playing them, themselves. They're not going to be playing Venkman or... Any other
0: character that I can't
2: remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, that so you d- Spangler? Isn't oh it? very good, good, Dan. You've done your homework, I like that. But uh, it's so bad for their name, sorry Dan. <laughs> I was genuinely impressed that you remembered those names. I, I think couldn't. I think, I hope they're right anyway. I but mean, in all fairness, how how they tie Slimmer in their contract and he's <laughs> a notorious diva, like, how did they get <laughs> him and Ernie Hudson, you know the way he skyrocketed and they superstarred him after that film?
1: But you see, like Bill Murray said, he they they've all said basically they're going to do a cameo, but and Bill Murray said the reason why he's doing it is because he didn't want think he didn't want people thinking that if he didn't do it that he's not supporting the film.
2: because yeah, there's been a lot of back and forth about like the the Ghostbusters sort of reboot and that that scrub's been bouncing about for Jesus, I think about five years and there's people saying oh you know Bill Murray wasn't in there and Ackroyd was kind of against it and there was kind of arguments over what direction he wanted to take it, but it's weird that. It was it, it was never kind of the case that Bull Murray or Dan Aykroyd weren't in support of it, but that's
1: the way the kind of media has played it out, you know what I mean? Well, Dan Aykroyd has always been pushing for another Ghostbusters film, like... because he's fucking skilled. <laughs> <laughs> At Crystal Skull of August and selling as well. <laughs> 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 but, well, no, the, this new one's not... It, it, Paul Feig came up with the whole thing, though, then, didn't he? With all the, the gear with Ghostbusters and all that, Is
2: it Feig? Because this...
1: I'm well, pretty sure it's Fig. This
2: continues my long <laughs> name. Sp- I always thought it was fig. Yeah, Feej. That's not that name. <laughs> I
1: thought
0: it would have been
2: Feej. Yeah. That was F-I-E-G. F-E-I-E-G.
1: fig. Very very weak second name, on it? <laughs> very weak second <laughs> anyway, name. Anyway. Apparently, they're all coming under the cameos. But I think it'll it'll just be distracting to see them pop up for cameos and not be their own characters yeah, from Ghostbusters.
2: Yeah. I think it's a wee bit cheap to be quite honest with you. I think it's... The cameos, if they're not playing their original sort of iconic characters, is really, really cheap because, first of all, you're kind of diluting or in a way, shitting on the impact of their original because you do want to see those characters again because I guarantee you, right, I think it's a really cool thing that you know, Paul Feig forward slash Feig. Has recreated Ghostbusters as, as an all female cast, and we talked a couple weeks ago about how there's not a lot of good rules for for women, and it's and it's balls that you do that because, mm. you know, that women take a back seat in Hollywood, and it's always been the case, and you know, it's it's a sort of, it's a disgrace, like in fairness, but then at the same time, I I, I guarantee that if you asked ninety five percent of Ghostbusters fans, they would rather have the originals in the reboot. You know what I mean? Mm. So at least put them on there as a cameo, as a nod to the original, which was, you know, so huge and, and such a part of, I would say, so many people's kind of childhoods or upbringing. Yeah, like a, a pass on a torch type thing maybe. Precisely, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's exactly what I'm like. Because exactly there's definitely scope to
0: do that with the way Ghostbusters was like, you know, set up and left. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So,
2: I mean, bringing in Murray Ball-Marie and Murray's not Venkman, it's just, it, it would just seem strange. I, you know what, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say an insult, but it, it, it doesn't seem like the right way to, to do it whatsoever.
1: Uh, and plus, if if they're going into this new one like it's a complete reboot like the, the previous Ghostbusters didn't happen then why why are you getting the original Ghostbusters to be in it like if you can get them all to come and it why not have them like as old Ghostbusters like yeah. did they teach them like how to be Ghostbusters or whatever yeah, yeah. You know but what? I mean, I mean Harrams
0: is dead as well
1: and is dead and it's right? sort
0: of I don't know I mean there's, I'm really against this sort of entire like movement towards like remaking all these old films I mean I talked to the last time but like Jurassic World and stuff. It's like I mean, fair enough, it's an enjoyable enough film. I actually watched it the other night and it, it's grand, but it's just, you know, rehashing the old ideas and you know, I know when, it's, it's nothing sacred. I know <laughs> I know I know it's only like you know, an eighties fun no. we flick, but I mean yeah, nothing is at all really. Society's it? gonna collapse because read on Jurassic World. But you
2: know what I mean? that's just like a Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, but you know, it's just like E you, you obviously you're banking on like the older fans and then you're obviously trying to get a new audience and stuff, but, I mean, the original Ghostbusters still holds up, but still, both of them are still quite good, from what I remember. About the uh, same. I, got an yeah, I haven't seen a second one in ages, but I remember watching the first quite recently and really enjoying it again, and yeah.
1: But I was thinking, what if it's, like, a double bluff? They're saying that they're not playing their characters, but then they'll pop up as the original Ghostbusters?
2: If, if they're not playing their original characters, then I just think it's really cheap, too, because it's almost like, if they're not going to be the original characters, then more likely it's gonna be like a very quick, you know, here's me and I'm away again sort of cameo. It'll and just they're,
3: be
1: distracting. And they're not
2: going to, yeah, it'll be distracting. It'll take you out of the Fulham, which has a kind of uphill battle anyway, and having they recreate this world with an all-female cast as opposed to iconic kind of characters and sort of bolt up the series. And it's also sort of cheap on an hour level too, because it's like, oh, we'll just rope them for a couple of cameos and that might get a couple more people on the box of us because they're expecting to see, you know, like the kind of the old heads that they were brought up with, Ghostbusters-wise. Uh also interesting fact Ghostbusters 2 know where's the Bibby in Ghostbusters 2 yeah the Bibby in Ghostbusters 2 sort of looked like me when I was a Bibby and that was released in 1989 and apparently the Bibby who was the, the Bibby actor was born in April 1989 Now, I was this before IMDB but I grew up convinced that I was the Bibby in Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> <laughs> and I used to challenge my mother on this all the time I was all how, how did you get me on the Ghostbusters team? <laughs> she was all, like I was about seven, right? She was all right, my kid's obviously fucking mental. They <laughs> okay, have, have a long talk with this boy. Check it out though. So, <laughs> how- <laughs> Check out that Wayne. Check the out that way. Like me, Yeah,
1: That was me, aged so, six months. How likely do you think it is when the first trailer... That's
2: I mean, me for a cameo, no?
3: <laughs> <laughs> How likely
1: do you think when the first trailer comes out, that you're gonna see Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson in, in the trailer? Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you know what? No, they won't. They won't show all of them. They'll try. I, I reckon they'll try and keep a few of them as a surprise. They'll whack Bill Murray in there does. The white oh, Bill no, Murray in there. Who cares about the other two? You know, it's totally <laughs> like Bill <Murray>. but I, <laughs> I wish. Mean, they should have got you back for Slimer, just smearing and sauce
0: on the
1: walls <laughs> <laughs> as you run free. Slimer still keep in touch. Like they, they what? could, they could bring in their own Slimer as well. You know what I mean? Like as a part of the new Ghostbusters.
2: Yeah, I mean. Pff- I don't know. I I don't know what way it's going to go because I haven't really. But besides the that promotional shots of them and their their sort of jumpsuits or their, their costumes, I haven't seen any other sort of promotional material for it. So well, I really Chris don't know Hemsworth and as oh, we
3: bike, he <laughs> can be beautiful and smart. <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> next news, baby. Uh, the next news is <laughs> sorry uh, that they're developing another trilogy of Men in Black films. Really. As yeah, as as, as that, a yeah. as a complete reboot, so Will Smith and Tommy Jones probably won't be a part of it.
2: I, I, Men in Black Two was on last Sunday when I had possibly top three hangovers I've ever had. <laughs> unbel- usually, I'll watch like the films that I've kind of set out that I want to watch on a Sunday. That's my big film day where I try and pipe through at least four or five because I live a very sad and sheltered life, but. Uh, I was that fucking hungover on Sunday that I, I literally could not get up off the sofa. So, Fallen 4 played all day. So, the Curious Kids of Benjamin Button was on, and that just followed three hours. I was like, yes. <laughs> I don't have to move for like three and a half hours. I enjoy this fall. Uh, no Do water. you know, I mean? Like I don't mind it. It's, I mean, I've always said it, it's quite soft for Fincher, considering he's always been known as... Yeah, it's Fincher's worst, but I mean, I think I got way too much flack when I don't they came out. A, Jesus, no, I don't think it's his the Alien's. Alien's. Oh, well, no, but I mean, I don't
0: really blame him for that, because then you know, all the studio interference came afterwards, I don't really But, but I mean, I, I know what you, I know so what you mean you know in a I
2: mean? film. Out of all Fincher's films, is probably the one that was probably least... Well, no, it was critically of too, but the one that I would least watch back again, but at the same time, Fincher's... Over, you would say, is so good that even his worst bonnie ears, you know, f- film is still sweet. You know what I mean? But anyway, mm-hmm. getting off that, uh actually, what was what was the original point? I've come back to that topic. Men in black. black guy. Uh, so Men in Black two came on after Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and. I think I've only seen it once. I remember going to the cinema and it was kind of bad that the reason I went to see it in the cinema was because Johnny Knox was on it. It was like <laughs> my, my, my jackass craze in like the early fucking 2000s when I was a teenager. But I really, always remember that that is kind of considered the worst of the three. Men in yeah. Black 2. But uh, to be honest, I only got through like the first 50 minutes and then Max the Day started so I flicked it off after like 50 minutes. But the first 50 minutes are pretty strong and I think it's only an hour and a half full so, unless it completely fucking fell apart in the last 40, I couldn't well, see it as being as bad just, as what I remembered. It's just because the first
0: one's really good. Like, the first one yeah. really holds up. I remember being, like, you know, we had, like, front row on, like, Cable Tell, and you're just constantly watching it all the time. It was on loop, and it was just one of those films that, you know, it, like, defined my childhood, you know, Men in Black, I thought it was class.
2: I forgot, even watching the second one, I, from watching the second one, it reminded me of the the first one's aesthetic, of, like, kind of how comic booky it is. And the, yeah. it, it it is based on a comic book. I always just kind of seen it as a sort of straight almost Spielberg kid friendly sci-fi film you know that, that uh-huh. has that sort of style but it, it's very comic book even like the, the titles and how it's set up and, and and the gadgets they have, it it actually kinda made me like it a lot more. It's stuff that I forgot about as the years passed on. Even and probably he, that I didn't pick up on even as the cute.
1: music it's always like bum 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 uh, bum Yeah, bum, yeah, yeah. Bum. yeah <laughs> it's even sort of like,
2: the I know, like classic. it's
0: not like life of these early sixties. Am I wrong in this, you know, sort of G Men spy yeah, that's that's, thumb, that's precisely what it you know, was. And that's not really the mind at all. I mean I think Men in Black the first one did it so so well and uh, I mean Vincent Oforio as well is just so ah, good. So isn't sugar it. sugar. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great film.
2: It's like it's song that obviously you or you or me wouldn't have been aware of the first time we watched Men in Black, of that sorta of Harking on that sort of fifties G menu, Hoover's boy sort of mm. style and, and 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 harking back the I would say it takes it, it the piss definitely out of old like nineteen forties and fifties, uh, sci fi B movies and stuff, like you know, the the, the thing for our World and For Bob and Planet and stuff like that, even though they're great films. And that's, that made me appreciate it even more. I mean, even though I was only watching the second one, from watching the second one, like I've said already, I remember that being a part of the first one too. And I was like, oh, you know what? There's a lot more depth to this than when I obviously give it credit for when I was fucking nine. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. Like, also, he didn't I, love the theme song. It was like my favorite song for years. Oh, uh,
2: what?
1: the man in Black. <laughs> Black. Let you remember. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I get to dance down everything, man. If only this place was bigger. Uh, you know, we have
0: video. I'd freak the listeners. Uh, your voice but is definitely. It, it, lends <laughs> us, it,
3: it, it lends itself to I, concerts.
0: I, am I an alien? <laughs> <laughs> You're the alien at the end of the
1: video that pops up. Oh, next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, the, the first Men in Black is sweet. It's really good. Then the second one is. It, uh, there is a dip there. And I, I enjoyed the third one. I, mean, I, think I haven't seen the third one.
2: But then after I watching think... the second one last week, well, watching like the first 50 minutes, because it, it's weird. Men in Black, it's, it's one of those films, it's like, I've always liked it, and I know I've, I've liked it, but it's like, it was never up there for me to go back and re-watch it and all like that, but then after watching the second one, which obviously, ironically, is kind of considered the worst, it kind of made me want to watch the first one, and then move on
1: to the third one, especially because Josh Brolin's on there, and was written about the... Josh Brolin is so good as a young Lee Jones, he yeah, just nails it, like...
2: I think that they're fucking so similar as actors anyway. Not even just kind of looks wise, but they're you know, both kind of sovereign and, and yeah. they've got the same sort of
1: bravado or, or acting style. But they look quite alike as well, to be yeah, That's do they look a strong job. Like, yeah. Yeah. But just Josh fir- just first line is Q. What, what do you call him? K. Mm. Yes. Yeah, in, yeah. uh, in Men in Black 3, he's just all, how do you know my name? It's, just, it's so good the <laughs> way he's, <laughs> yeah. he's like, that's fucking Paladin Jones. Because you, you know why when they get a yo- younger person, they play like the younger version of, of an actor. They, it, you can get it so wrong but they just nail it with air but what I was going to say is they develop a whole the whole reboot of it and a, they're planning a trilogy for it like is Men in Black that strong of a property they actually yeah, go it, for it that is isn't
0: Jurassic Park it isn't Ghostbusters yeah exactly you know I mean? because yeah. it's a, just
1: about mm, know, I mean, like the first one's sweet but the other two aren't that great that, that's, well, why, I'm, that's why I'm very
2: surprised about because I mean like you can very easily kind of hand wave or brush off now when you hear like a, a property like Batman or, or Spider-Man being rebooted every fucking two weeks. You know what I mean? Because they're huge, huge franchises. But Men in Black I, it, it made huge money at the box office, all three of them. But I don't think it's as iconic as those other ones They kind of yeah. sell itself to that level again. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of surprising they're going for that. Well, I, I thought they at least were to give it a couple more years maybe for the the whole nostalgia filter to come on. But then you know, what you could say it about any sort of franchise. It's just Hollywood now, and they're trying to reboot everything because
1: it's all well, about the cash. it's it's Sony that uh, owns Men in Black, and I think they're just kind of struggling as a studio. Yeah, see, they're letting go of Spider Man, <laughs> like you know, I mean, they it's, still, it's still have Spider Man. No, I always <laughs> say, this, but they won't let go. They'll, they'll finally give in to Marvel. No, they they're not going to let back. go of Spider Man. It's like their biggest moneymaker. But like even even when all them Sony leaks happened, there was a conversation of. A 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover film Ooh. which sounds fucking ridiculous as well unbelievably yeah. bad but it's I just it, it feels like they're just kind of grasping at straws they think oh we need to reboot Men in Black when it isn't that strong of a property like. and I'd, like even if people enjoy the first one you're not dying to see another one you know what I mean nah I mean put this way even though I liked I
2: really liked the first one and I don't think the second one's that bad even the original series, I had no interest in seeing the third one. And if that's the original series, which obviously, you know, built up its kind of world very strong in the first two films, then for me personally, why would I want to go and see a rebooted version you know, without the main stars? Without the main stars who kind of made it what it was.
0: Sorry, I mean, to be honest, the reason the third one I think did so well is because it's a Will Smith film. And, you know, he, yeah. could, he could do anything. It just always seems to do very, very well because yeah. he's one of those stars. That, you know, it's like your Tom one, Cruise that.
3: But he that, will get people in
1: but that whole thing is fading anyway like stars don't sell films anymore really. I mean Tom Cruise is the only person that can really do it right? and, he, and even like Edge of Tomorrow like that did not do great like box office wise
2: that's only that's one of the few slight dance but you can see that eroding and it's kind of strange because in the 90s I think that the two most bankable stars were Will Smith and Tom Cruise if not the most bankable and they were up that conversation, definitely, and they've seen now that's because I was reading it actually an article on it just a few days ago, the Wall Smiths is starting to fade because men like three I think in the past five. No, I know that I think in the past five years Wall Smiths only made like four or five films. Oh well, yeah, Focus I, was the last yeah, one. I know I didn't do too well. Was, Focus broke even did quite well, but it doesn't make the sort yeah, of money, next, money you know, Smith with. And then the main one was After Earth. Yeah, After Earth completely blah. fucking flopped.
0: But that's because people just don't like his son.
2: Yeah, and as well it's, it's M. Night Shyamalan you know what I mean yeah, so, and the, yeah but they hid uh, the fuck out of his name <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know there, there was you, no be, promotion yeah. used he used to be visionary on. director at M. Night Shyamalan and now it's like yeah, he directed this yeah. please please don't pay too much attention <laughs> no, to that don't put it on any of the posters. <laughs> your <laughs> promotion as <whatsoever. laughs> well
2: but I don't know uh, it, it's a strange one but then I mean you can talk all night about being cynical about rebooting franchises and stuff but that's just the sort of way the studios are going now right at the minute, So Yeah,
0: maybe instead of like having the same stars and films, you know, they just know that Men in Black or Jurassic World or whatever, they'll make money because new up. audience, and then also as well you have people go there for the nostalgia. Precisely, vibe, on name yeah. alone.
2: It's kind of mad that the studios haven't released or even thought themselves, you know what, maybe we should hire a couple of screeners to put some
3: what the fuck I'll say it again <laughs> <laughs> I know. what were you doing there? No. <laughs> you can visually see him fall asleep yeah, yeah. I completely <laughs> zoomed out just not,
2: my mind wandered on this someone else you, you know what? It was,
1: it, was, it was actually a, it was a fuck it was at a home point anyway so yeah. okay we'll move on to our next news there's an angry birds trailer out yeah, I don't know.
0: Like forced what? me to watch it. <laughs> it was one of the prerequisites though. for me coming on this podcast. I would never point. watch it at any stage. Yeah, Dan
2: was waterboarded before this podcast. Waterboarded. <laughs> <laughs> <just> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I mean, great Ow, cast. I stuff. thought it was all right. It's one, it's one of those things. though. I mean, like, is Angry Birds still relevant? Do you mean Because like, I haven't heard about it that much, and I know like children all of it. But then Angry
2: Birds Two just came out. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm not like obviously you know yourself. You, used, you used two you guys be two big gamers. I've never really been a gamer at all. But I was really surprised by this because remember it was like I'd say what about three years ago? Gigantic, and you couldn't move any Angry Birds here, and everybody's playing their phones, and it was kind of a lot of adults. Like you were saying, I think that's the main thing. Kids, especially young kids, call on it. Like my wee brother, who's only eight, he fucking loves it still. It's still really big there, and that's exactly the sort of market that it's going to be aimed at now yeah. with this film.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, though, it turned around and was all like, oh, yeah, next summer. We're like, we're in September, and it's next <laughs> summer. And it's like, you know, there's no like seven year old sitting about being, all, oh, I can't wait for next July <laughs> till Angry Birds comes out. Mean, that- is it still
2: going to be relevant then, even? I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I would I say won't. so. I think it would care. I will pull this way. If it's not, they will make it with a promotional. Uh, yeah, like, it will be fucking yeah. everywhere, sides of buses, fucking side of your house. You know what I mean? Mm. What was, do you know what really annoys me, though, was that. Angry Birds, obviously, is a game about fucking birds throwing themselves on the buildings or throwing themselves on the structures and knocking them down to get points.
0: did uh, destroy pigs, man. Let's get it right destroy
2: now. Destroy pigs as well. But, uh, I mean, you can't get any thinner than that. There's literally no plot to Angry Birds. <laughs> and we were talking about it a few weeks back with the Pez movie. Yeah. It's the very same thing. There's literally no story. There's no sort of background there whatsoever. It is a, a very fucking black and white sort of thing. So it's... Take these characters, images, which are very famous and kids love, and just put them under a story that's been completely created, just a sellable.
0: No, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard like really, really good things about the Lego movie, and you know that's the it's same awesome. sort of idea Amazing. where like yeah, it doesn't have anything behind it, but then it does have those sort of licenses. I mean, if they're able to do that same sort of idea with Angry Birds, but in saying that, looking at the trailer, I don't think the animation looks like it's that good. That you know, if you look at something like a uh, Howdy, Train Your Dragon, or I watched Rango the other night, you know. It sort of seems like it's got a, a vast scope, or at least interesting things going on visually. While Angry Birds just seems really flat, yeah. from what I've seen.
2: I yeah. mean, you brought Rango and especially the Lego Movie, which is the film that we compared. You know, the the proposed Pez movie to a few yeah. weeks back. I said the Lego Movie was, I, I think, I wouldn't even say uh, probably a flash in the pan, or maybe a one off. In on the fact that that was made by two directors who actually believed in it, and I fair enough, Lego is just a toy fucking and Blocks and it doesn't have any sort of story but how they actually it was ingenious how they made the fact of everybody's playable Lego and made their own worlds and that's what the Lego movie's about yeah Bald- I've heard, Bald- I've Bald- heard this because Bald- you spoiled it for me the last time <laughs> I listened to the podcast yeah. but like that, that's obviously a film that's, that's made with care and uh, you know don't get me wrong that, that could be the case you know with the Angry Birds movie but I just I can't see that you know lightning striking twice I do think that this film hasn't made, made with any sort of care and it's not like they're going to try and uh Touch on the points of you know what this destruction mean. You know why? Why are the Angry Birds? Why <laughs> well, are it's an anti-war movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why, why? are the Angry Birds ruining this? scene you know, I mean, why are they ruining these bonds? Why do they hit pigs or whatever? It's it's not going to be the case. It is just going to be uh, no doubt the most formulaic plot that you've ever seen. Yeah, it's just I mean, got these characters attached to it.
0: The cast does look great. I mean, like you know, loads of like. Blues my favourite like Bill, yeah, Bill
1: Hader and, and Danny McBride Bride, and, and Jason I,
2: and Sudeikis. I don't really never like him Tom too much. Yeah, yeah
1: I don't, never really yeah. like him. alright. No, I like him. Yeah. He's okay. He's he just has a bit of charm about him, but it could come off as a bit kind of smug. He comes. Uh, it's, whereas Danny McBride and Bill Hader obviously
2: always come across as that they're, they're completely self-deprecating. I've always just found you know like a sort of smugness. The Sudeikis, yeah, They just. Hasn't really, don't get me started on Ed Helms though. He's not it, but just <laughs> don't get me started on Ed Helms. Uh, <laughs> Literally nobody mentioned that. Helms. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I always associate them too. I don't know what it is, but I always associate them in the same bracket. Of just I mean, mm.
0: Sudeikis so is okay and like spun and down. He did like a few
3: good yeah. bits. Will well, Limash, yeah. he's
2: not bad either. He's, he's he's not bad. I think that smugness is on his ball court in Will because he is supposed to be a bit of a dickhead. Uh, but uh, I, Angry Birds, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. I can't see it I'm making many waves, to be honest with you. I can see it doing it massive massive box office don't get me wrong like, yeah. but uh, as as a fulham frosty enjoy uh, and nah, i don't think so
1: well i i think there's there's a there's a few laughs in the actual trailer but it came from Dynamic mcbride and Bill hater <laughs> yeah yeah like when Bill Hader comes out as the pig <laughs> <then> that, that <laughs> is does, funny, it is mm. funny
2: like, but i mean is that not that was the only times that i was kind of drawn on the trailer and then i thought to myself is it that you know kind of old thing where I thought was any other actor doing that voice, and I wasn't aware if it was Ball Hader or Dynamic Braid, who I like a lot.
0: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price.
2: Be laughing or would I be as drawn yeah. on to it? Maybe I'm just liking it because of my like for them. You yeah, know I mean?
0: mean if you look at like stuff like a uh, like Mega Mind they had like a uh, Jonah Hull do a voice and that and obviously you no know, Jonah is pretty funny and stuff, but you could just tell he wasn't like a voice actor. Do mm. you mean I think it's like it takes like a certain sort of Actor or I, I don't know I mean certain people can do it some people can't I
2: think it's a really underrated thing voice acting yeah definitely I mean very, there's very there's some
0: people who can do it so so well and then there's other things where it's just like oh he's just a name we're gonna put on the poster so people think oh I like him let's go see this yeah. well,
1: you see yeah. that that's the thing with these, these kind of films as well that they go out and get really famous people to be the voices yeah. when they could just get proper voice actors I mm. mean like <laughs> p- <laughs> like no money it's you know, should no look at Toy
0: Story I mean like you know obviously Tom Hanks Tom Cruise uh, Tom <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom uh, Yeah, Tom Hanks, Flamie <laughs> Woody, and uh, your boy from Home Improvement. What's name again? Yeah, the boy I mean, from Home
3: Improvement? I'm
1: patronizing. <laughs> I can't remember That's his name at all. That's not patronizing. So Tom, He is the boy from
2: Home Improvement. He is, I know. Tom Taylor. What a shoe. Oh, unreal.
1: But Pixar do you do it a bit differently. I mean, like, we rat it to you. There's no real big names in there. Like, you have the brother from uh, Airboy Lowe's Raymond in it and stuff. Yeah, but if you, and you look... And mm. Patton Oswalt. If
2: you look at that, though the first couple of films of Pixar done, obviously Toy Story, had pretty fucking big casts. you know, I mean, I you they, the they, Hanks,
1: they do and have big names, but they, but like, even the, like the whole you
0: never feel like they overshadow the film.
1: Yeah, but the, the whole cast doesn't have no, big names, you
2: know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is, the first couple of films of Pixar done, so A Bug's Life and Toy Story had big casts, and that kind of drew people and they, what, Pixar could do, and then when people realized that Pixar was essentially a stamp of quality, a stamp of a really, really good film, they knew that they didn't have to have these big casts anymore. So you've you've noticed that, like as the years have went on, that the big actors who used to be in Pixar films they don't need big actors anymore because as soon as somebody hears Pixar, it's associated with top quality animation, top quality film again. Man, you know what I mean? So they don't need to get these casts on. And it saves him a shitload of money to him <laughs> <Yeah>. something.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, you had a Hoodie Trainer Dragon that did surprisingly well. And it That's deserved it. Fun. Yeah, It really, really deserved it. But, the second, uh, second one's uh, fucking class. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen that even, yet. Jeez. I'm really raging. The but, second uh, one's nearly jeez. even better. Yeah. Tears. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Jay Baruchel, though. I mean, he's done so well off the yeah. back of that. Yeah, you know. And he deserves it as well. Right, I and think it's very underrated. There's
3: not
2: a lot a, of big names in there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it was sort of... And he's not that big a name, eh? Have Jonah
1: in there as well, like. But I read, an, I know, but he's yeah, a very small, part. Of very was, small part of, yeah,
2: I read an article the other day, and they were saying the. I can't remember actually where the article was from, but it, they used Jared Butler as a case study, and it's actors who still get leading man parts, but are they really leading men? And it was like you know the way they always say this thing, well, even since the industry started, you know, can he or she open a film? And when they say can he or she open a film? can you put their name on a poster Man. and that will get you box office? Like the main ones are obviously we're talking around about the like, of maybe Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or what will have Smith, you. Will Smith, yeah. Or Will Smith. If and you'll notice this on the posters for their films, the film title will actually be smaller than their name on the poster. People are buying into them. They are the product and whatever story goes along with that, you know, that's fair game. But, Jared Butler's had that about. Now, like, fair enough, he, he wouldn't be on the same level ever as, uh, as a Tom Cruise where his name's bigger than the title, but he still is the only title on some of his posters and people are thinking, though, but does anybody really give a fuck about Gerard <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> he's sort of got
0: like all those rules off the back of 300. Yeah, you know I mean, that yeah. was really good for him. Like uh, I try
2: for our American listeners, Gerard Butler, as they like to call him. Oh, that really? really yeah. fried my You know he's T-Total? Is he? He is, yeah. So am I.
1: Okay, and we'll go into topics, 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 topics. topics, topics. I'll go into mine first because it's it's slightly related to news that uh, Hugh Jackman was doing an interview this week and they were asking him about who does he think is in the running to be the new Wolverine because obviously he said the next Wolverine film is the last one he's doing and he said there's obviously talks going on on Fox and all he's not really a part of that or anything but he suggested Tom Hardy really? as a new Wolverine uh, so I just thought we could have a discussion about Who do we think could be the new
2: Wolverine? We talked a couple weeks back about, well, it was actually one of your topics, too, a few weeks back about actors who are like perfect for the role. And I mean, I I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that Hugh Jackman is absolutely fucking perfect as Wolverine. Not only because of his physique and obviously he's he's an accomplished actor, but because he just actually looks like Wolverine. He Mm. just, he, he seems like Wolverine. And is that associated with the character now? And I I think it's a lovely thing, and he's embraced it so much. You can tell he loves Wolverine so much yeah. that um, it it maybe gives it a wee bit more impact. But yeah, but more depth. He understands the character. He understands yeah. the character. Oh, big time! But it's hard to see anybody else follow shoes. But I mean, it's probably been said about countless iconic roles, and you know, people have done a good job picking up the pieces after. Tom Hardy sounds like a good one. I think just Tom Hardy's on such good form and he's, he's one of probably the best actors working at the minute that you could see him do anything Yeah, I do think though one thing is that he's he couldn't get the like sort of band he would have to slum down a bit he couldn't be that sort of thing for Wolverine he's supposed to be still a bit slum but obviously muscular uh, well no Wolverine's supposed to be kind of stocky is he not more than anything stocky but I mean he's not being stocky. Yeah you know he's not I mean? like he's not
0: like Tom Hardy and Warrior with like two sets of shoulders on yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's not <laughs> huge, like, yeah, like yeah. a
2: fucking second neck on him, just you know what I mean? It's it's not it's not the case. But that's a good one. I, I don't think it'd be my first choice, but then at the same time I say I don't think it'd be my first choice but I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> so well, I I've
0: seen like online, I don't know whether this is actually you know, just loads of people who really like him saying this, but uh or it's actually like news that maybe might be in the running but I uh, like Kit Harrington. And I just don't see that. Sp- but
2: do you at know what? Actually, I was about to say he's too small. But the thing about Wolverine, Wolverine's supposed to be quite small. But yeah. he's yeah. supposed to be like five foot seven. I or like what?
1: Hugh Jackman's too tall for Wolverine. One. Yeah, mm. he's supposed to be kind of like very
2: short and stocky. Sure. Did you never hear? I like think he's too young. Katana's too young a face.
0: Yeah, well, it depends what date they're going to do it as well. Because he's meant to sort of be a bit immortal, isn't he, no, Wolverine? I, I, well, not he's a, he's a, in about, power, a bit immortal. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He decides when
2: he wants to be like. A... <laughs> <laughs> might die the other day, might not. But <laughs> it's like. I mean, Kit Harrington. The only thing is about the, the template Wolverine. is supposed to look maybe, I'd say thirties, mid thirties. They lit thirties, like sort of the agent. Yeah, Jackman's looked for the past college,
0: white wizened old man, yeah. or like, you know, so, you know, just seen better middle you know, age. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's seen
2: wars and he's he's seen you know death destruction. All also, that I don't stuff. think Kit Harrington's that good an actor. He has quite stuff. Yeah, he even is, though I he? love, even though Jon Snow my favorite character or one of my favorite characters in Game of Thrones because he got so many class characters, and he has quite a. A limited actor, mm. he can come off as wee but wooden sometimes, and you have to look at that aspect. I fair enough, all the fan girls and a lot of fanboys about this earth, me included, will be oh Jesus, get down to the Wolverine. This is going to be incredible, but then it's very easy to look past his limitations as an actor, like because I think that the character of Jon Snow in Game of Thrones masks that because in Game of Thrones, Jon Snow is supposed to be about just of a kind of. Some moody bastard. A moody bastard He <laughs> really doesn't have to emote that much. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you yeah, sort of yeah, sharing. you know, like you know, you see his learning curve all the way through and then you know at the end he's like this leader who has to make decisions and fair enough, you know, all he does is like a, a like he has a, a bad or a, a hard decision to make, so he has this sort of situation where like he looks a bit confused and he's <laughs> he's puzzled about things, but that's his role. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But did you ever hear the thing they were working on an X Men movie, I think, in the nineties, maybe even earlier, but uh they wanted Bob Hoskins for Wolverine what
0: <laughs> what what didn't he play
2: Mario didn't he Aye,
0: yeah, Mario, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, not his most famous role
3: he <laughs> did play Mario no was
0: his <laughs> famous role not Smee what Smee yeah Smee from uh, <laughs> yeah. Captain Hook
2: yeah that's his most famous role no he fucking what he called He Frame Roger Rabbit ah he Frame Roger Rabbit oh yeah I suppose yeah who frame Wolverine? Oh my word, that's <laughs> so fucking bad. Like.
1: Because Wolverine's supposed to be short and stocky and just mental. <laughs>
2: Aye, but he's not supposed to be bald. <laughs> like. He's
1: not supposed to be bald and fufty and about fucking five stone over width. Well, maybe you know I, mean? I, I can't even mind exactly what it was. So maybe it was a bit earlier when just it was about your. Just we fucking two mutton chops <laughs> and you know.
0: The thing is, oh, it's the mid nineties. They probably would have played it so camp, like you know, oh, like they play like the Batman, I mean. but even worse. Do you know what I mean? Because
2: yeah, uh, oddly enough, before you said Bob Hoskins, I actually thought you were going to say somebody like Schwarzenegger, because you know yourself in yeah. a comic book film <laughs> the nineties, Schwarzenegger was attached to it, apparently. Yeah, uh, right. Well. <laughs> Definitely not Bob Hoskins, anyway. I I, I don't think you go any lower than Bob Hoskins. Bob, <laughs> Bob Hoskins, Brian Blessed, they're like that's the two bottom uh, ones. Oh, I thought
1: you meant height wise. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, what I was going to say is I think there's there's two ways they can go with trying to cast a new Wolverine. They can go with someone known like a Tom Hardy, which people really like, and I don't think there would be actually much backlash. They announce in Tom Hardy as Wolverine. I think. Tom Hardy at this point could do fucking anything yeah. you know what I mean and nobody would, would give him any flag about it. But but another way they can go is go with the unknown but they're just going to get trounced with that because mm. everybody's all like who the fuck's this boy because even when Hugh Jackman was announced as Wolverine people were saying oh this boy does fucking musicals from Australia you know what I mean I personally think it's always a smart removal
2: because when you go unknown there's no expectation, first of all, so if it is in any way better than the kind of negative expectation, then it's a success, and people kind of turn on, the, you know, g- get on side with the film, and also if you go unknown, there's no, it's a blank canvas, there's no past slit, nobody yeah. can go, oh, he's made that shit, she's made that shit, oh, they were crap crapping that, or they, they weren't so good here, they're limited or whatever, I think going unknown might be the smarter option, but then at the same time, you also run the risk of going unknown
1: the box office you know what I mean and and can this unknown sell seats well, no, I don't think you really need a name for. It. I mean, I think the name X Men or Wolverine will, is the selling point. Like, it's not really the name of the person.
0: But you know what's really bad as well is that the fact that he said he's going to do one more film, and now there's a lot to talk about who's the next Wolverine. Do you mean we've got like this yeah. sort of thing? Are they just going to churn them out every like couple of years? I mean, well, they're, they're still. When little... will it die? Well, so they're already
2: talking about who's the next next Wolverine? You know I mean? not that one. <laughs> You're not See, wrong
0: bulk on. up a bit, Yeah. <laughs> Got the sabers? <laughs> <of the year laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say, I know you you bring up an interesting point because what <laughs> you're going to say, I know actually, Dan, you could, <laughs> <laughs> you could totally do it. We bring up an interesting point of are they even going to have a new Wolverine for a while? Because like they could continue on with the X Men films with, Maggie, without if Wolverine. the Rehash and Men in Black. No. They're definitely going to fucking churn out another couple of Wolverines, which is one of the biggest properties about the world. Aye, but I'm saying they could keep on doing X-Men films, and they're even expanding that with Deadpool and Gambit as well. Like, do they really need a Wolverine in there right now?
2: Ah, uh, no, but th- th- this is the whole thing, right? And there's actually, and I, I always hark back to the kind of TV troops, which is a, obviously a website that me and Dan, well, I'd say a lot of Folkmor TV lovers, Wolverine. I don't like
1: just used to your supporting <laughs> it. No,
2: no, apparently me and Daniel are two people. <laughs> but I'm not uh, of that often. Hey? There is a discussion page or like a troop on TV troops, and it's literally called Wolverine publicity. Wolverine is so far ahead popularity wise, like so far ahead popularity popularity wise of any other X men X-Men. X-, X Man or X Woman. X- <laughs> that just say X. What they used to do is when they introduced a new X or a, a new character under the X Men sort of uh, franchise, <laughs> they would. And in, in the comics, they would immediately crowbar Wolverine under the story in some way, because they knew that if Wolverine was in there, that comic would sell like fucking hotcakes. Yeah. And Wolverine, you know yourself, even when you know the first X Men came out with Bryan Singer all people cared about was Wolverine and like in the comic books Cyclops who is the actual leader of the X-Men was completely brushed aside. 10 minutes under the third X-Men Cyclops is fucking obliterated and nobody fucking bats an eyelid like nobody the cares best
0: those. I mean I know I'm not really a big comic book fan but you know from watching the films he seems like such a boring character
2: but he is he's so it, it's the sort of the black and white morality thing it's mm. that sort of thing that that's why Superman doesn't sell in the modern world because you know the world's more cynical and nobody likes the hero like the the sort of normal here anymore. Everybody wants the anti-hero who's kind of flawed yeah. because everybody now realises that people like Captain America and Superman don't exist.
1: Well, that, we've talked about that before. That's why what Marvel did with Captain America is really good. Pretty smart. I threw him under the modern world. And yeah. I'm re- yeah.
2: That, that was that, that was really, really smart. But in regards to Wolverine, they could not continue because this, this is actually going to cause a headache now for the ongoing uh, X-Men franchise that they have going on just after Days of Future Past. When Hugh Jackman steps down as Wolverine, they will not do X-Men films without Wolverine.
1: Well, the, the well, the next one, X Men Apocalypse, Apocalypse that they, they haven't said Hugh Jackman on that. Def- Wolverine, he, no, because even on even at Comic Con, Wolverine was there to introduce them, and then he left the panel. He wasn't even on the panel for the uh, for oh, the Apocalypse done, yeah.
2: panel. Like. Honestly, th- this may sound like I'm really overstating the point, but not popularity wise, not having Wolverine, excuse me, not having Wolverine in the X Men would almost be like. Not having Batman the Batman film. I swear well, to God. not <laughs> no, he is is that huge to the X Men. He is that huge. Too, is that but sure, huge. They, I know they don't First Class, and that was a, a massive just achievement. Did a cameo, but anything? yeah, but what's. Uh, now, let's be honest. What's the thing that most people talk about about First Class? It's the, it's the Wolverine cameo.
0: I think, I mean, X, uh, First Class, right, uh, was sort of like, I don't know. Obviously, had like McAvoy and Fastbender, It was sort of trying to get like you know a lot of people here in the comic books and the films on side with these films again, was it not? While all the Wolverine films are sort of more box officey, sort of actiony. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean some of those films are ridiculously stupid. You yeah. know, the Wolverine. I mean, some of the action sequences and stuff are just mm-hmm. not well thought out. Hey, well, the, and... the
1: two solo Wolverine films aren't that great. Yeah, I mean, but they made I, lots I'm... of
0: money. Didn't they? I mean, they both did very, very well. Am I misremembering? Yeah, hope. exactly. He's a, he is that like, sort of character, as you see, like a Batman. He's like Marvel's Batman. Obviously, they don't have the rights to Spider-Man, who's number one. Yeah. If well, they had it, but, you it know. does
1: well. X-Men as well.
2: They do. Marvel. Marvel. Marvel don't own the rights to X-Men, either. Really. Oh, do they not? No, no I thought it was Marvel right. Studios. No, no. No, it No, it's Fox. Fox. I mean, like, Marvel created them, but
1: they sold off yeah. the rights. Marvel no, s- Studios don't ha- don't have the rights to them. Yeah. Oh, it's Fox and then Sony that owns
0: Spider-Man, yeah. Jesus Christ, it's so confusing. Uh, I know, it's fucking all (laughs)
2: sorts of contract wranglings going on here. Uh, It's a strange one. It'll be very interesting to see. And do you know what? I see if it is an unknown who the chaos is, Wolverine. I feel for the guy. Because because he he is going to be getting He's First of all, going to have the pressure of being Wolverine. He's going to have the pressure of following up. Probably one of the most beloved actors to play a character ever. Because everybody knows, like I said before, just accepts Jackman as Wolverine, and he's gonna have a fucking huge amount of studio pressure too. Do yeah. make it work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so I, if
0: it's Hardy, he could probably do well. So maybe it might not be a bad shot to be honest I with I all those pressures.
2: I, yeah, all well, because Hardy can same have Same with
0: him. Mad Max as well. You know, obviously, you know, I know he's not as beloved as Wolverine, but you know, there's a wide lot of like pressure with taking on a role like that. But you know, yeah, no one that. bad in an eyelid with a, a Hardy doing it.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, Mad Max. Franchise wise hasn't got a patch on over in like you mm-hmm. know what I mean it, a bit, yeah. it's a lot easier to step on the and in fairness let's be honest you know since Glory Root came out which was amazing. Glory Root you yeah. know what I'm watching too many fucking sports films. <laughs> <laughs> uh Fury Root, sorry.
0: Stop for a second cut this. Glory Hole is what you're watching.
2: You're
0: watching many porn films. Too many porn films. <laughs> 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 hey, Mad, Mad, Max Mad Max Glory, glory Hole. Oh, don't. I said cut this. <laughs> is that the title now? Mad Sax
3: Glory Hole? just. <laughs> sad sex Glory Hole. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Sad? Sad, 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 sad sad sex.
0: Very specific type of porn, here. Yeah. Cut all this, please. I don't want... Uh, off the record. <laughs>
3: Starting
2: <laughs> talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Obviously, it's not that big of it's not as big a franchise as Wolverine, and you do kind of forget that even though it was really well received when it was released a couple of months ago, even and it was iconic and it was kind of culty. Most people kind of forgot about Mad Max, and I was actually kind of surprised that they were bringing it back. So there wasn't that. I personally don't think there was that much pressure there, and I really, really don't think that many people realized, or sorry, many people predicted that Mad Max would not only do as good as what I've done, but be as good as what it was. Yeah, You know? So, I because mean, i thought, mean, I know for a fact you thought as well, it was going to be a piece, I think most people thought that it was going to be a piece of shit, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, I wasn't too it. Yeah, nor was I, and then, you know, it was, it was a pleasant surprise, but Wolverine is gigantic. But anyway, I mean, like obviously your your question was, you know, who do you think should be the new Wolverine? So, do you have one?
0: Oh, I know I can't even think. I mean, I was sort of thinking there maybe because of the the, the physique, but then I don't think it would work with like the hair and the sideburns, like Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason
2: <laughs> Statham? Yeah, I mean, he, he,
0: you know, he's got the sort of oh, yeah Wolverine. the figure. as <laughs> well, I watched Fast and Furious Seven the 9 It was class, uh, but yeah, I think you know he might go over him, But imagine trying to see him in hair. I just could not get over it. If nah, he's he's yeah, I so mean, brain, whack hair on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Phoenix. There, I think he might go Wolverine. But then obviously he's got a he's got a scar on his lip so could can you explain that because we'll ring those scars. Oh yeah. they spend millions. millions oh, it's scar. it's like that story from This uh, is like
2: the whole uh, thing about the mustache and the little lips. <laughs> That's what I'm saying like. like
3: oh, oh, it's know. like
0: that story from a uh, uh Fear and Loathing where they had like Tobey Maguire and uh they made him like wear a bald cap instead of shaving his head because he said, "Oh, if you're going to if I'm going to shave my head because it will tip me out of all the rules, I won't like, you know, a big pair." I think it was like something like 10,000 or oh. whatever. And they said no we'll make him wear a ball cap but then after they shot it and they got have you heard have you heard this no oh after they shot it and like they got all like the filament all back they're all, like oh you can see like the line on his forehead where the ball cap ends so they had to get cgi in to get rid of that line into mcguire's scenes and make him like a bald-headed what? man looking proper and it costs way more than what his fee was to just shave his head <laughs> so it was a complete <laughs> money drop yeah <laughs> there's
1: there's a story like that guys, well you mind that fall it's I think it's just called Guess Who with Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac. It is like a kind of revamp of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but the races were reversed. But uh, Ashton Kutcher was wearing like a red kind of band thing around his arm. Like it's some kind of religious thing or something. Oh, Kabbalah, New
0: Age, Madonna was all well in there, that sort of thing, yeah.
1: But they they didn't want the character they have that because he's just supposed to be a kind of all-American kind of guy or whatever. So he wouldn't take it off? No, he wouldn't take it off. So they had to spend money to visually take it off in every scene. It's like, he probably could have just left it on. Nobody oh, would have no, really knew. Yeah, would have cared. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a red... I think it's just a bit of string or something. Yeah. <laughs> it
3: just,
1: it's just as he's wearing a bangle. You I know, know what I mean? The one would have You could have slagged him off and once you know why you were in that scrunchie, Done. <laughs> <laughs> My one's...
2: Really left field for a new Wolverine, and I'm not going to lie, it just popped in the my head there, it's, Brian like, it's not "It's not, not rambling." Trying it's to not. preempt the and, jam, And you know what? I was so tempted to, do it. but I thought, you know what? It's played out now. It's played out. Uh, it, it it actually is popped in the my head. It is going to be Ben Foster. Oh, I think that's he would go mental with though. He would he but would, would actually get adamantium. I'm no, but I mean Ben Foster because can you? I mean like, I've seen Ben Foster play these. ridiculous Ridiculously gruddy, psychopathic characters. And he's one of the best young actors at just showing
1: rage. And
2: could you picture him to your berserker scene? Yeah. <laughs> ben Foster is mental. He is crazy, yeah.
1: Because on um, Lone Survivor as well, the, I heard an interview with the director saying that Ben would just pick up handfuls of dirt and just eat them. Eat them, eh? Because that was a survival tactic of those people.
3: He's Trying crazy. Trying to be direly he, loose. Hey? He's right, he, he, too much. But if he
1: was Wolverine, he would... I don't know what he would do. He would like Aye. fucking sell some his he would, he
2: would somehow become immortal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just really getting fucking. In saying that though, though just save, I think that's a good shout You think so? I, I, because he would be that mental about it. I think he would be good. Yeah, because he's a he's a good actor.
2: Like, only enough though. The only thing again it would be like the Stephen thing. That might be a bit might throw you. But is he's quite fair haired, and a lot of times he's so fair haired, he almost looks like he's got a skim head. Aye. So it might be a bit strange seeing him with the mutton chops and the hair and stuff like that. But I. Don't know. I've got a strange. It weirdly like, kind of bulky hmm. as
1: well because he's never really been like a. Yeah, he, he's quite like,
2: he's slim but well toned. But yeah. they seem. I think he could. He could. He could, he could definitely. Be oh, actually, he's just
0: a perform- performance and hunting drugs right anyway. So yeah, I think yeah. that's <laughs> right. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Peds. <laughs> Is that that's what they call? That's, that's what they call in the business. That's yeah. a term in the business. Can't tell him all the um, them. Dan, t- t- out t- <laughs> yeah. Dan took a couple of days. Pork, he he knew the, the fucking <laughs> lingo. Like. <laughs> um, not working <laughs> 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 Alcohol, is that one? <laughs> That's for his book, <laughs> Um,
1: I forgot, let's draw a line on that topic Who wants to go next? Right,
2: uh, I'll dive in here My topic this week is What do you think the most important element of a film is? So, is it direction, cinematography, lighting, sounds, acting,
1: characters? Um, well, I think Ultimately, it comes down to the direction of a film. I think if you if you don't have a strong director and he doesn't have like a kind of strong point of view that he wants for the film, then all all the rest of that stuff can fall down.
2: Yeah, because you, know? you think that they they mesh or they combine all the elements together to make yeah. like, like one whole.
1: I mean, like I think in, in all that in all that stuff, if you have a weak element of that, it could, it could be noticeable. But we if you have a weak director. Or a weak direction of a film, it's just it can be confusing and just it's strange, reasonable. and it just it stands out. You know what I mean? And I just think always having a point of view for a director, and that's the most important thing for a film, because we've talked about it before, kind of tonally unsure films of like air, that, and that's all down to the direction of yeah. the film. And I just think if it has that, then it's it just ruins everything else for you you anyway. know? Yeah, no. For me, for me, personally, it would be, obviously, the direction. Because,
2: obviously, the director is the person, like I said there now, who takes all these elements and makes them work and then, obviously, slots them all together to make a, a complete, a completed piece of work. So, you might have about a bad sound design, you might have about a bad screenwriting or something like that, but if you've got a good director, you can maybe piss over the cracks. Man. But if you have a bad director, then those flaws are going to show and especially if this director doesn't have a vision, or doesn't have maybe a sort of, oh, like a, oh, terroristic fucking way way of looking at things, or, or the, this sort of voice is actually what I'm trying to say, this voice, then you're not going to get that cohesiveness, and it's going to seem like all these elements are unconnected, and there's going to be gaps, and it's going to kind of fall apart in some places, and it's, it's not going to work, whereas a director who actually believes in a script, or believes in a film, who wants all these things, they work, and cares about them, and nurtures them, it's going to show, and it's going to run a lot smoother. Now, fair enough, it may not make the greatest film ever made, it may not even make a good film, but it will still at least be watchable, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I think you maybe sort of said... Sorry. Well, sorry, I think you maybe sort of said what I believe. I think, you know, it, it all comes down to the writing, to me. I mean, obviously, I think we're a bit spoiled because you know good scripts get good directors and you know they get money behind them so
2: see this is the argument and I and mm, I, I, I do also agree with this I mean it,
0: we've had great directors who like you know if you're not given I mean the writing's not there I mean like you can't give the director anything to you're work with right. do you mean because a lot of scripts as well I mean I think that some of the, the best scripts are I mean just using examples just off the top of my head like a, I think killing them softly when it was made into a screenplay uh, because it, it was a book first off uh, the way it works so well is because uh they use you know like there's these wee tiny infused moments of speeches from like american presidents and it's shown the state of america at the time and the director obviously uses as well but it it adds another depth to the film and if that wasn't there in like the writing in the first place that you know this wasn't there to be mine because it's such a good script then the director you have to give them something to work with is what i mean in the first place i mean it all i mean it's just writing 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 you mean yeah
1: but but I think a, a good director can polish a turd of, of a script. I, but, I mean,
0: well, the actual quote is that you can't polish a turd.
1: Well, no, but that, I do believe <laughs> I mean, that. Uh, yeah. I refuse to believe oh, that. Yeah? And I will prove
0: it, <laughs> it. <laughs> right now.
2: This is why I brought up this, um, obviously this topic, is because you might get a horrific script, or a like we said before, a harocious ah. script, mm-hmm. and the director might be so good that he's maybe able to pull out the best parts of that script, if there is any, and, and sort of make it a watchable piece of work. But then at the same time you can get an incredible script and you can have a maybe substandard director and he can maybe roll under the ground. But at the same time, I think it completely depends and I mean th- this is a sort of basic point that we come to in every topic that we do like this, is that it's you know th- there's no one answer. It's you know that there's no one kind of case study that you can look at. It all depends on the actual film or the actual type of film because you look at a film say like Lord of the Rings, which has such a rich source material and obviously a, a fantastic script for a fantasy film of, you know uh, a fantasy film of that time period. And only a director like Peter Jackson could have made that script excel the way it did, you know, through the the graphics, the CGI and everything else that they make making that film a masterpiece. But then you can have a per script and a good director comes along and actually makes it sound a wee bit better than what it is. You know?
0: Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, but I think it's not that, you know, you could have like one good element of a film and the rest is like mediocre and that like brings it up maybe a bit, but not to the sort of standard that it should be. I really do think though that if you have one per aspect of a film, it can drag a good film down. I mean if you have a film that has per sound design or a per soundtrack choice or you know, if there's one of those elements See, I, it can I, really stand out.
2: I think it'll stand out, but it- and even for me I, I don't think it'll completely ruin it because see if you have so many elements of a film that are excellent and say like maybe the soundtrack's bad or maybe the editing isn't really up to scratch it will limit your appreciation of a film I do definitely agree with that but I don't think it'll ruin the film theme if all the other elements are on song. you know mm. but it's a strange one too because
0: well a bad director can ruin a good film oh Jesus if everything else God, is yes, grand the director's worse right, same, yeah, yeah uh, I course, accept yeah. that yeah
2: but at the same time as well you were chatting about the script and I do agree with the point that you were trying to make in the fact that and it's almost like a, a sort of cliched phrase now in Hollywood but it all starts with the script because in the most basic point filmmaking is essentially visual storytelling and if you're telling a story then you need to have a good story. And obviously yeah. that's, that's where it starts with the script, and then all the other filmmaking techniques and the aesthetic comes in. They sort of build around that story and create like a, a visual accompaniment, basically, to those words that have been written down by you know whoever screenwriter it is. So I do understand as well that the script is massively important. You know, it, I'm, I'm not going to argue against that, but I just think that there can be bad scripts like we said that directors can kind of pull the well yeah i mean yeah
0: one of the ones that really stands out to me is that you know if you actually look at maybe like the dialogue that's been given for uh the film drive you know if you look at like maybe like what scenes actually really need to be done to get the dialogue and the story moving it's not really that much of a story you know there's you know like no compared to the film that it is because it is really like fantastic how and ref and like handled it all. I mean, in terms of like you know the soundtrack and uh, the acting as well, I think's fantastic. And I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it because they expected maybe something else from
2: it. Well, they expected, I think, just a kind of sort of maybe actiony,
0: Actually, and and of furious, Fast and Furious,
2: yeah, yeah. a modern, like, a yeah. modern sort of bullet, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, I love that film, and you know, there's like there, there's some scenes where it goes by, and it, there's so little dialogue, whatever. Or even as well, you know, talking about films that don't have that much. But
2: there's proof of a great director because I guarantee the most that script was just set instructions. You know, I mean, like it was mm. actually just a description because you know yourself that the, the dialogue is very minimalist and the novel that it's based on is also quite similar. It's quite minimalist and it was actually just a pulp sort of novel, thing. think. Mm. That nobody actually really kind of even acknowledged when it when it was released. But then, old enough, you talking about films with people driving in cars, then on the other side of, or sorry, on the other side of the coin, where great writing and great direction meets is luck because that's great writing to make a film so interesting about a man sitting on a fucking car for an hour and a half that's great writing to make that story kind of keep you on your seat but then at the same time as a director you need to be on top form to get level that visually you need to because that could be boring as
1: fuck even if even even if it's just even if the because that script is, is obviously that good, great that script was obviously great because but it could have uh, just been one camera mounted on the yeah. fucking car and then that's the whole fucking follow me you know have yeah. to
2: be a superb director to, to mind that sort of finished product or a script like that so i mean may, maybe that is the sort of finishing point or where we can kind of roll over that and and, and lock on that you know obviously screenwriting is massively important and direction is massively important but at the same time too I don't want to kinda of override the fact of how collaborative an art form that cinema is because cinematography, sound design, acting grip everything yeah. that goes on the film, even the you know the kind of unsung heroes of the filmic and roll that you never hear about, even fucking kidders. hurry yeah, talk- for kidders. But it's like runners. Runners, <laughs>
0: they're all so important. We yeah we talk so much about like directors and uh, actors and stuff, but I mean like it's such a collaborative effort to make a film. Precisely. I mean the entire idea of like you know tour theory. I mean I don't really buy into it that much because
2: I don't like directors who say like you know for example a, a Michael Bay film, and it's one of the things that Kevin Smith. Spike Lee came, joint. Yeah, <sighs> that's, but I mean like I know, it's yeah. it's one of the things that Kevin Smith came out and said, and yeah Kevin Smith comes out and he blows a lot of hot air sometimes, but it's actually you know one of the comments that he came out with that I kind of stood by. He says that he's never put a Kevin Smith film on the of films because he just finds it massively insulting and patronizing to the huge amounts of effort that hundreds of people and his crew put on They making that film. And him, like every other director that's ever loved, without all those people who are bossing their balls and doing fucking ridiculous hours for way lower pay than what him and the actors are getting. He would not have the finished products
1: that he had. That's that's what I don't like about Tarantino films. He numbers his films. He's yeah. It's like the, the fifth film from Quentin Tarantino. The I sixth know. film. I don't. I hate that. But at the same time, Quentin Tarantino was
2: probably one of the world's greatest narcissists. So it's to be expected. Yeah. So
0: say also now number twenty-two of Michael Breslin's Let's Top more movies. <laughs>
2: a Michael Breslin joint. <laughs> Where? Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's off the drink, but nothing else. <laughs>
1: Hat boxed up in here. up in here. Daniel? Do you
0: have uh, the topic? Well, yeah, last time I brought this up, hopefully I'm not going to lose it this time, but... Uh,
1: Hold on, just give me a second. They turn this off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: last time I was here, uh, my topic was not recorded properly because we knocked out the lead accidentally, but...
1: It was Dom's fault. He was too pushed and he kicked the mic. <laughs> he was really drunk,
0: wasn't he? Uh,
1: that's why he won't be back. Yeah, never.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's book adaptations oh mm, yeah i mean uh well the ones i have done record i mean like obviously we actually brought up better on but the lord of the rings you know what i mean like critically and commercially you know taken from a book and did so so well and there's you some books you've read
2: a book once haven't no no even like who ed what like i read the first and you read the second we just told uh, each well, a I page each maybe yeah. i don't know anyway tell me about these yeah. books that you spoke <laughs> <These> of <books.
1: laughs> yeah. no i i read a book once in primary school and. It used the word nautical mile, and I don't know what that meant, so I just stopped. <laughs> and you've never read since. What's a nautical mile? I don't know. A mile on the sea. Mm. Aye, so why is not why is it not just called a mile? Because it's not why why does the sea have its own language? You have a fucking port and starboard, it's left and right. Jesus Christ! The sea speaks to people, Michael. Single fucking self. <laughs> but I book annotations now. The sea stands for cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Book adaptations, Dan Gouford.
0: I have book adaptations. No, just a few came to mind. Yeah, obviously, you know, Lord of the Rings is so critically and commercially well-received. That Harry Potter franchise as well. Fifty Shades. hey Oh. But uh, as well, like, you know, there's a couple, like, where the book well, they're quite well-respected, but, you know, they're not held to, like, a high standard, but the films are known as, like, classic, you know, like, you have The, the Godfather. Or and The uh, Shannon. <laughs> like oh, yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> The, yeah. the Shannon kind of Or Shawshank as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shawshank is like a, show, a Rita, Her- sorry, Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption. It's, it's like a short you know, story, like Yeah, that. short story, just in a collection of short stories. And it's one of the obviously lauded now like an absolute classic song. Sort so of
2: strange thing as well Do you bring up Stephen King because a lot of people. Have, Stephen King. In Green his Mind his own right, as well. Yeah, Stephen King in his own right as a, as a novelist is a very successful as a novelist. But a lot of people say that Stephen King has been very, very lucky too because his career in itself has been uh, heightened by the fact that he's been very lucky. And the directors who have taken on his novels and made them very iconic films.
0: Well, to be fair, Stephen King, though, as well, he does really support filmmaking because anyone yeah. who wants to take any of his stories and make them an a film, he charges them one dollar. You know, he really does Aye, support, you know, I heard of- yeah. There's you know, if you're like a student filmmaker or if any uses want to write a film, you know, based on one of his novels or stories, Stephen he'll, t- he'll t- just t- give t- it to you. Like, t- oh, yeah, no worries.
2: I'm okay. See, it's kind of strange because we're talking about Stephen King and like being really lucky with the directors who's, you know, kind of got him. Stephen King's a household name. He's he's one of those novelists that's just kind of known worldwide. But one that has been kind of, I wouldn't say accused, but kind of libeled with that in recent years is uh, Dennis Lehane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because obviously he'd done
0: Mystic River. Mystic River,
2: him. Gone Baby really Gone. gone. And those books, I mean, he's seen as a, as a very good novelist. And I know he's got, a, you know, he's had a couple of kind of maybe New York Times bestsellers where he's been number one. But he's not seen as a fantastic novelist. Nor was Stephen King ever. Stephen King is seen as sort of pulpy, but he knows how to write good horror or a good thriller. Well, he just bangs out the
1: books as well. Yeah, he. he's
0: <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Well, it's it's Stephen King's really like, quite respected in that. You know, a lot of people read him that who usually wouldn't read books. But he's very, No, i you know he, he's, he's, very, very, right, he's not he's known as very, a great no, novelist. He's, he's
2: very populist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he writes strong books that you know kind of get popular attention and Dennis Lehane I think is the same and he was never kind of in the conversation of being you know the great modern writers and I'm sure that he was never ever aiming for that but I think that I'm not going to lie in a more in the popular culture outside of book readers I don't think anybody would have heard of Dennis Lehane before Mystic River or before Gone Baby Gone came out, yeah. I know? mean,
0: there's loads of talk as well, but you know, uh, Conrad McCarthy, because obviously we've seen The Road yeah. and uh, a, the is Conster, considered a great writer. it is, yeah. And the Blood Meridian, I mean, people have been talking for ages about like that being yeah. made, and people want the Cohen brothers to sort of handle it, you that, know. That's
2: why I was astounded that Counselor was so poorly done, it really was, wasn't it? I mean, it I was really, done, you know, to be fair, not,
0: I, I've not read that book.
1: Is it, that's or what or was or even
2: more surprising,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, it does work, yeah.
1: Oh, it, it, it was his book and he adapted it then? No, no, I think it, no, it was that, just that, his. No, his that, that, yeah. that was
2: his first time they dubbed this tone, the screenwriting, yeah. which was even worse because, I mean, but again, that, you know, and it just goes back to my topic to you about like, and it goes back to what you were saying about great scripts. It goes to show that a great novelist or a great writer of books struggles to write a good screenplay because I think writing a good screenplay is an art in itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, hey, it's writing different, a play,
1: It's different things, like, Yeah, you know, it's It's the same way. Like writing a comic book or yep. or anything like it's because it's I, a different set of skills. I think there's this, yeah, I think there's a blase
2: attitude that all oh, like oh well you know if he's a good writer then you can write anything. But then you know, there's you know a lot of different kind of sub genres or even like sort of sub techniques of writing. You know yeah. just because yeah. you're a good writer doesn't mean that you can write anything. I mean it's just maybe good at writing like you say, comic books or radio plays or you know whatever it is.
0: Well speaking about uh, you know adaptations of comic books, I mean obviously you have like your Spider Man, your Wolverine and stuff. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Alan Moore. And you know when you look at like some of the things that like, he doesn't watch any of the movies made, so he, he never comments on them. But I'm sure he would just not be happy because what he writes is you know, specifically. For a fact, he's watched them. You think so, I'm man? He's that weird. I don't think he's watched them. Like M-
2: maybe not Alan Moore, but you've heard a lot of writers saying, "Oh, I've never watched it. you know, I've never watched the, the representation of my work on screen." You know, for a fact, how could you not be? <laughs> I never listen to my own podcast. Like, like no. sitting on a Tuesday night with fucking writers' block, smoking a fire, scratching a hole, and all they do. And your fucking film comes up on fucking Sky Sports, Sky Sports one right? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> comes up on Sky Movies. Slow <laughs> week, yeah, slow week. On yeah. Sky Sports eh? international week. You're definitely gonna watch it, like you know. Let's be honest, yeah. but I mean, maybe it's just. It's, but yeah,
0: it's, I, I thought Watchmen was like you know probably the best film that could have made out of that. They actually improved the anthem. To you're be fair. exactly right. they don't. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at stuff like that, well, V Vendetta was it's a I actually really like that film, but it's very different from the book. And I mean, yeah. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is just all over the place, like.
2: Yeah. yeah, from hell. I think from hell is actually quite underrooted. I, do, I they definitely and and from hell they, it's they, non-compared to the book, the novel. So no, it's no, it's novel. It's absolutely non-compared to a graphic novel. But one thing I will say is that it's it's underwritten the fact that they really captured that grimness of kind of lit eighteen hundreds Victorian London, really really captured, and the gore as well because from hell was kind of notorious for how much gore was in there. That's good, but then you know, as we most kind of Hollywood adaptations or Hollywood films in general, you do get that crowbar, I'm romance Sweet, Heller, Graham, but whatever. I oh, know. well,
0: like, sorry, actually, just, this is actually just turning into a ramble, but just to give my topic a bit of structure, I mean, could you give maybe your most favourite or least favourite adaptation? Maybe either one of these.
1: Um, well, as I stated before, I haven't read books, so I can't really <laughs> comment on how well it was adapted, but Jill read a book once, and uh, th- then we watched <laughs> the film together, and she said it was quite good. Is the uh, *Perks of Being a Wallflower*? Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. adapted by the writer as well.
3: I never was good. It was, I know
1: Jill read the book and she enjoyed the film. And uh, from what she told me about the book, it it carried over the same kind of tone into the film. And yeah. I think, th- I think that's what people can struggle with with doing an adaptation, like getting across the same kind of feeling that you got from reading the book into the film. And because people come up with their own stuff in their, their their head about the characters in the book and stuff, I think from watching the film anyway, I think it did a good job of making it feel the same. Yeah. And it's 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 a good fuck film.
2: There's always going to be an uphill struggle. You know, just kind of touch on what you said there, and it might sound like a very basic point because I think everybody feels this way. But if a... He... Book franchise is popular, or you know, maybe not even so much of it. You know, it isn't popular. Every single person who reads a book, ticks or imagines the character or characters in a different way, and they've got their own kind of you know visual understanding of what that character looks like, what that character sounds like in their own head. So it is literally impossible they please everybody who's read that book and can kind of embraces and loves that book. Yeah. So, you know, you're and you are claiming a mountain already, even before you tackle this the subject matter. So if you're able to do it the a sort of high standard and I think that is why book adaptations are unbelievably impressive if you can do it right. Mm. Because, you know, the the directors and the whole crew or the producers even have such an awful task. I mean,
0: yeah, look at Lord of the Rings. I mean, how long is the full trilogy and uh, there's still people complaining that they've left bits out? It's, yeah.
2: like, it, it's like 12 hours or something? Yeah, it's, like, it's over that, isn't it? I know well, I mean, like if you look at the director's cuts, Ended the part. original yeah. trilogy of Lord of the Rings is like, what yeah, it is 12 hours. And then yeah. it's, it's fucking absolutely crazy because now if you look at the art, well, The Hobbit, the Splendid 3 pieces, which the director's cuts are also four hours each, that means that if you really watch all those films, it would take you a literal day
3: the whole oh, day to watch crazy, sex films we well, could you know cut out me?
1: the half an hour of credits at yeah, 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 the end <laughs> but that's that's past breaks like <laughs> we,
2: we um, fag breaks just yeah right, Mikey we have we have said it to each other it has to be done at some point we have to watch the Three Hobbits and then the Three. Like Lord like of the
0: Rings. those times that you went and did like the Three Airplane movies.
2: I but they're about an hour and twenty each. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, can, yeah. you, can, you can, but you still struggle. <laughs> you actually <still laughs> have both of us fell asleep. <laughs> you, you can you
2: can blast through them like I.
0: I blast them, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I watch your, what's your favorite adaptation? Would it be Lord of the Rings? Because I know you're a huge fan. No, I
1: I'm would fan.
2: say Naked Gone. <laughs> Aye, well, I well, in all fairness, was based on the fellows from Police Squad. You know what I mean? Oh, so, oh. <laughs> uh my favourite adaptation probably would be Lord of the Rings if you're talking about and it might sound like a born answer but I just love those songs I think it's it, it's like your sort of Star Wars thing Mickey Man. it's like being brought up with and, and it being your franchise when you were a kid like and there's a whole a bit now about Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars but that was my Star Wars growing up and I've just embraced it so much that I love it I guarantee if you ask me Tomorrow or when I was a bit more lucid, you know, because I've had quite a few of articles <laughs> then I would probably give you, you know, a whole lot of our films that yeah. you know have been adapted from books, and there's there's so many greats, but yeah, probably a bit of the Rings
0: Yeah, uh, just to say, there's, there's, I mean, one of the most interesting ones I think is, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Kaufman, you know, great, mm. great, great screenwriter, but uh, he did adaptation, and uh, obviously Nick Cage is in it, so know it's class, but uh, twice. <laughs> oh, he isn't twice, yeah, uh, but yeah. He made Nick cage, or he was trying to do an adaptation of this book called *The Lotus Flower*, but he couldn't do it. He just, he just couldn't like get a grip on what would make like you know a good film out of this. So then he started writing a screenplay about how he couldn't do it and his struggles with it, and uh, you know he divides himself into you know uh, two Nick cages, are playing like Ham and his imaginary twin brother, but uh, it becomes like a sort of uh the overused and overused word uh like meta narrative about like uh
3: meta narrative.
0: It's very self-reflexive in terms of like, you know, uh, self-reflexive.
3: <laughs>
0: he's talking about himself or you see like the writer of Charlie Kaufman in the film struggle with writing the film that ends up being the film that you're watching. And then he gets advice and it actually becomes part of what you're watching as well. And it just takes so many crazy and weird turns. And, uh, you know, they actually had to pass it by the writer after. So, oh, by the way, you know, he bought the rights to your book. we still refer to why lot within this film but it's not an adaptation. Can we get away with this? And she said she didn't really, she watched it and was all, I don't know what's going on at all. <laughs> but she went with it and you know, it, it was well, it didn't do that that well to box. Obviously he never really does, but it was very well critically received and he's such an exciting writer.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong Lou. Was the cruel, well not the cruel, but like the kind of strange irony about adaptation that it not won the best original screenplay Oscar then? No, no, it won the best adapters. Did it? Yeah, it did. Because it actually, I mean, it still does
0: take elements. Yeah, I, I, at least no, I know for a fact it was nominated. Yeah, no,
2: I, I'm nearly I sure it won. won. It, I, I'm nearly sure that it yeah. won one of the screenplay Oscars. Yeah. And-
0: yeah. I mean, it's very, very loosely based on the story of The Lotus Flower, but yeah, it's... Is, uh, is
1: like, is it... Like as you're saying, like loosely based. Like, is there some kind of through line you can grab on there? Yeah, from yeah the there's
0: there's elements from the Lotus Flower within like what he talks about. but I mean, it's so crazy. Like, it's just really, it's it's a bit of a mind bend. But I mean, film. how
2: nice is it? well, not, how crazy and how nice is it, though that a film about having writer's block and struggling to adapt the book then goes on to one the best Oscar
1: yeah. for
0: adaptation, and it's called adaptation. Yeah. And yeah, uh, oh, he's a great writer, obviously. No. Eternal Sunshine and Syndicate uh, of you know, New York, York. yeah oh, um,
1: no. uh, it was nominated for Adaptive Screenplay Adapted Screenplay nominate. oh it does yeah. then
2: oh well fair enough our fairy tale has not happened
1: Charlie oh, yeah. and Donald Kaufman
2: yeah but that's as, as I, I like think Donald's fake uh, Donald's fake like
0: a twin in the film yeah. he was credited even though he's not really oh, it's, it's like
2: uh, the Coens for the first couple of uh, Coen Brothers films the editor of the Coen Brothers films was a man called Roderick Jeans but it's actually just the Coen brothers. It's a pseudonym for the two <laughs> of them combined because they used to edit their own films, but they had to have a credit because it was fucking Academy game which are a load of shit. The, the Academy, always, the
1: always <laughs> holding bows sign. The line I always mind from adaptation is when Nick Cage is talking to his brother, Nick Cage, and he like uh, his twin brothers like, being really successful at writing and all that there, and mm. he's, he's talking about how he, he can't write this here thing, and he's all you should talk to mom. She's really good with structure. (laughs) (laughs) it's really good
0: bits as well because they did like Being John Malkovich which uh, where Nick Cage playing Charlie Kaufman goes back into the the set of Being John Malkovich and he's completely ignored. But then you have John Malkovich, you know, behind the scenes of Being John Malkovich acting like an absolute diva. And it's just a sort of little nod of like, you know, as I said, self-reflexive. Or meta. Or meta. But that's yeah. that,
1: that's like meta meta. That's like meta squared. How yeah. meta can this film get? Okay. Oh, it gets very meta.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's just really exciting. It's a very very good film. I really
1: enjoyed it. It's it. so meta that it turns around and actually be original again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I recommend adaptation. Bam. Wow. To end, it's adaptation
1: to end all adaptations. <laughs> okay, and we'll move on to a recommendation. I'm going to go first. My recommendation is cheap thrills a film about this, this guy And he he just kind of bumps into an old, old friend So they go for a drink And then they meet this couple in the bar And so they just kind of start hanging out with this couple And they start doing like silly bets Like I'll go over and like punch that guy For a hundred dollars or whatever mm. And then just it kind of escalates Further, more bigger and more During the night Until it just kind of goes about mental And there's a turning point Let's <laughs> say Drama but yeah, it's it's a kind of dark comedy, drama, thrillery kind of thing. It's it's better crack, like, why not? That's my recommendation. Cheap thrills. It is a literal cheap thrill. Of
2: Bam. My recommendation is, and it's a film. I know you like, Michael, too. Morning Glory. Oh, that's great film. With uh, Rachel McAdams. Uh, Have I not uh, recommended that before? No, you haven't, actually. It was just me and you were talking about it a few weeks back. Uh, essentially, Rachel McAdams plays a sort of... Uh, Young go-getting TV producer, and she's fired from her job, and she gets a job as a producer for a breakfast show. Yeah. Now, as she is uh, on Andy, be the producer of this breakfast show, one of the main news anchors of that kind of world has kind of taken a step down from doing like the, the the normal news anchorage, and they go on the breakfast, and he sees it as like you know a kind of sacrilege. I'm not reporting on these. You know, global events or you know like famines or wars, and he has to talk about like fucking cooking and meeting these celebrities. And he's played by Harrison Ford, and he is fucking hilarious. All the charm that you see from Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones, or you know as Han Solo, it's that. But I think it's cranked up to eleven. He's so good. It's actually the funniest role I think I've ever seen Harrison Ford play. Yeah, he's great. He's so so good. I mean, him alone actually, you would love to just see a film with him, and that's always a sign of a good supporting character that you would just want them having their own film. Uh, Really funny. At times, it is a wee bit kind of rom-com. It's a wee bit sort of on the Uh, nose.
1: It flirts with rom-com, but it's not really a rom-com. That's what I
2: like about it, though. It's the fact that uh, she has this sort of, you know, your topical romance with Patrick Wilson, who's a co-producer in the company she works for. But, it's almost like an afterthought. Like
1: I it really is.
2: It really it is. It doesn't like, go anywhere. I mean it, it doesn't go anywhere. They they are and spoilers, but they are sort of going with each other through it. But it, it serves no relevance to the plot whatsoever. The yeah. plot is actually about the relationship between her and Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford yeah. and her trying to win Harrison Ford round and they accepting this new show that he's on and accepting this new part of his career. And it it just works really, really well. And I think it's the fact that it doesn't go down the, the usual sorta of boring rom com territory and actually has a wee bit of depth and, and, and has this sort of different relationship that you wouldn't usually see that makes it work so good and as well it
1: is just actually really genuinely funny. And has Harrison Ford run down a hall demanding raw eggs? <laughs> 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 Sounds class. Thank you.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean maybe mine's isn't obscure as your two but uh, yeah with Kiva Nomi all night after the Babadook we watched Rango Ooh. And uh, I Rango. went to the cinema to see it. Rango.
1: You said, you I, said, uh, said, "That's what way you said it." Rango. Yeah. Rango
2: Unchained. <laughs> it's
3: a sequel. <single. laughs>
0: yeah, but uh, oh, it's just, it's just great. I mean, like, I love even the opening bit where it's like, obviously, it's Johnny Depp, and they have that wee uh, Fear and Loathing nod as well with Hunter he's S. Thompson got the sh- he's cameo. Got the shirt. Oh yeah, but even still, like, you know, when he's the like, race past. yeah, yeah, yeah has, It's really Hunter well I done.
2: Them, like Doctor, Doctor Oz on there from Fear and Loathing. Okay, I can't remember his name. No, yeah.
0: Uh it's been issued at Horosna? Yeah. By uh but even at the very start where like he's in the wee like newt tank or whatever that uh he's like acting out all these scenes, you know, uh Malvolio and, you know, uh you know I know it has this idea of like, you know, acting and then it talks about, like, you know, the spirit of the West that it's uh, it's gone from these lands and it sort of does on uh, one hand hark back to old westerns and, you know, what we used to like in our cinemas like these old gritty heroes but then on the hand I mean like it's just it doesn't take itself too seriously yeah. and it's very very funny and uh, the animation's I unbelievable and the, the, the character design is amazing uh, I mean has that studio came up with anything else because it was like Nickelodeon and it was like a, I don't know I've never recognised like you know those sort of things again obviously you see like Pixar and yeah. you know Dreamworks the, all these sort of things but uh, yeah it, it was phenomenal some of the stuff they did what I loved about
2: the, what I loved about Rango was that <laughs> I don't know how the any producer or anybody ever signed off in that finished film as being actually marketed towards kids. I know
3: what because it's, it, it, it's it, yeah. so marketed. There's I mean, some like nightmares, secrets, I mean, stuff. It's which is strange very harsh. because
2: it's it's not got adult content in the fact that you know that like there's like sex or drugs or violence trying to get there, but it's got adult content in the fact that it's it's way too smart and sort of yeah. intellectual. I would say for kids, kids would never get anything that's going on in that there's film. so many
0: references as well that you know even when I watched it in the cinema which you know wasn't whenever it came out it wasn't that long ago but since watching a lot more films in that space of time when I go back to look back look back at the film all day I was like oh actually yeah uh, I get that reference a lot more now. Yeah. obviously the plots completely left from Chinatown which oh, yeah. is which is great <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, like, it's like
2: Chinatown meets like a, a sort of pastiche of John Ford westerns yeah oh it's, it's amazing
0: it's, yeah but even still you know even if you have not seen those films or don't like those films. There's so much in this film to like. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, and Johnny Depp as well it's just he's so good. Oh, his nice class.
2: It's like a collage of pop culture, you know, especially film sort of pop culture. But it's just it's done so so well. Old mm. enough too, directed by fucking Gore Verbinski. I know I saw that. Parents yeah, he, did, he actually
0: did the third uh, Men in Black as well. Did he? Did he? Yeah, Gore the he did, third Man in Black. Oh, check that, I'm right before you <laughs> put
1: it on. I'm pretty sure he did that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> But no, it's a cracking shoe.
1: Okay, and we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, suggest your own topics, weigh in some of our topics you do you think should play Wolverine. You can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies, at gmail.com. You can leave us comments, reviews, or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also Acast, where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place to listen to this. Thank you so much for listening. I have been Michael Breslin. Sean Coyle's been Sean Coyle. Don Kellan's been Don Kellan. Episode
2: 22. That's a chopper. Bam,
3: bam.
1: And it was Barry Sonnyfield that directed Man in Black Three. Do that, say it again.
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I so, huh? then. Did he direct
1: one?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Last time I'm on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say
1: hello to Quince.